Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Welcome to the Brewcast right here on the Brewing Network, broadcasting live from downtown Joe's in Napa. And, of course, we have Colin Kaminsky joining us tonight. JP's on the microphone hanging out with us and the lovely Daniela in the chat room with you. If you need to ask us any questions, just hit the chat now button. How's everybody feeling tonight? Awesome. Yeah? Doing good? Yeah. It's our second uh, time out here live from downtown Joe's, Colin, and uh, I'm I'm ready. I'm feeling good about it. I am, too. It's been a lot of fun. Last time, uh, uh, I don't really... uh, remember what time we got off the air <laughs> i don't know either and the archive doesn't remember either <laughs> but i think jameel hacked in and destroyed the evidence i think so uh we did lose the archive last time we're here i'm gonna make a disclaimer right now one of you listeners out there better be hitting the record button if you if you want to hear this i'm sure you're gonna get four different this people show, doing this doing it, yeah i know the crazy jack hit his record button for us already and maybe a couple others will so we've got Look, he already finished uh, the show we've for got, us. he's yeah. giving me today's yeah. show right now i can just play it uh, at this at this very moment, uh, and he's giving me um, something that I have no idea what it is. This is why he's Crazy Jack. Uh, he just hands me things at random, and I'm supposed to know what it is. And he wants me to read it, but it's a it's a series of numbers. And uh, <laughs> Okay, so the first question for the chat room is, what does a series of numbers mean? <laughs> 200-71285. Jack, you're, a, you're insane. Thank you. 2007-128-5. Oh, I see. It's a date-coded number. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to reality for a second. And uh, mention to everybody that we are going to be here live at Downtown Joe's until, oh, who knows, Colin? Well, 8 o'clock at least, probably 10 uh, is more uh, realistic. We'll be here all night, and then we're going to be here next Sunday as well. well. Well, I hid the IPA this week, so... 
Ah, okay. Then, uh, then we might not uh, be here as long as we as we think after all. And uh, lots of people hanging out with us today, so I encourage you to come out and do it too. We got John Foster, the Gooch, Crazy Jack, uh, lots of uh, beer drinkers just enjoying Downtown Joe's beer. So uh, everybody's going to have a good time tonight, and we do encourage you to come out and hang out with us, everybody. So uh, it's going to be fun. We're doing Beer Jeopardy here in just a little while. Colin. Awesome. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun. I, I won last time. Did you really? No. Colin won Jeopardy? Yeah, nobody wanted to see Jameel win, so the other two losers started feeding me answers. (laughs) The other two losers. (laughs) So we're going to be doing some beer Jeopardy, and uh, I'm sorry, folks at home, you don't get to play today, and that's mostly because we don't have a phone system set up for you here. So we're going to take some live audience participation and give some things away right here at uh, Downtown Joe's. Am I being told that this this Crazy Jack CD I'm given is actually last Sunday show? Yes, two weeks ago when oh, we were here at Downtown Joe's, the Lost Archive. Is it, I just was you just gave me the Lost Archive. Why didn't you give it to me when I was asking for it in the forum for the whole week? And 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 I had to. And he says he was trying to send. Do you realize how many emails I got of people cussing me out for losing that show? And here, Crazy Jack had it all. Along. He was hoarding it to himself. He probably listened to it six times already. And the rest of you have been wondering what happened. So I guess what I'm saying is in my hand, I have drunken Jamil. <laughs> you know, I think the fact that you have that means Jamil didn't pay the extortion money. Yeah. He, he paid everybody but Crazy Jack. Well, Jamil, uh, I'm going to reopen the uh, extortion money vault. And uh, I can be bribed, my friend. All right, so I'll post this archive then. I'll, I'll do that as well. Thanks, Crazy Jack. You're a good dude. Uh, he had a hidden archive, and it's the whole show? The whole thing is here? Really? Says the whole show. All right. Uh, wow. A little secret bonus archive. Yeah. Took a little while between uh, the Vinnie Puppet and uh, this show, you being relevant and all, but you did a good job, and I appreciate it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all right, fantastic. So now we have last week's show, and hopefully this week's show is recording properly, and everybody will be happy. So like I said, uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be doing some Beer Jeopardy in here, and I'm going to need some uh, contestants from the audience to play. Um, John P., the chicken man, has joined us out here at Downtown Joe's. We all know how good he is at uh, Beer Jeopardy. Maybe I should, uh, maybe John should be a contestant with us today. I think he should. I think that'll be fun. So uh, everybody's hanging out. Come on out and join us here at Downtown Joe's. going to be here all night long. A um, couple of announcements. Um, like I said, there are no phones this week. You can't Skype us or anything else, but you can join us in the chat room to ask questions like you always do. And today we're going to be covering um, beer fining and conditioning. And and maybe not like a... I should describe exactly what that is because we did a findings show with Colin, which is something different. That's not what we're doing tonight necessarily. Um, Colin, why don't you go ahead? You had said to me that sometimes when you judge beer, you can tell that it probably was perfectly good beer, but something happened from the time it left the fermenter to the time you were tasting it out of the bottle, and and that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, yeah, and that, that's exactly, uh, I think, the issue I had. I got a chance to taste uh, 40 or 50 homebrews one day. Um, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was actually a fun experience, but one of the things I noticed was that there were some beers that I thought would have been just fine if they had just been cleaned up a little bit. You know what I mean? They yeah. just, and, I, and I call it finishing a beer, and it's that process that go that starts at the end of fermentation okay. and goes all the way until it's in, in the customer's glass. And all of that has to be taken, you have to take as much care in that part of the process sure. as you do in the part where 
before you brew it. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're going to end up with these weird, sort of fuzzy-tasting, cloudy beers. And ruin an otherwise perfectly good beer. And ruin a, a perfectly good beer. And, yeah. and, you know, some of these beers, I was, you know, had it in my glass, and I'm going, you know what? If I had a keg of this, I could fix it. Okay. So that's what we're going to help you do today, and Colin's going to give us a bunch of tips about that, not only for those of you who, who want to compete with your beer, but just, just for your own sake. And we've talked about before in the past about how uh, certain beers will age well and others won't, but one of the most important things is is the beer that you start with and whether or not it's going to age well. And I've got a lot of questions for you about that, about what we can do so that our beer has a little more longevity in both the keg and the bottle. Well, and certainly there's a big question for the big brewers, so there's tons of literature available on it as well. Okay. There's lots of science behind what we're going to do. I find it weird that Colin knows anything about the science behind this topic. Our own mad scientist of, of brewing. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to do that uh, probably we're gonna start right about the 6 o'clock hour because we're going to uh, screw around here for the first half hour. And then we're going to uh, play Beer Jeopardy for the second half hour. And then we'll get into the meat of this topic uh, starting at 6 o'clock. And uh, JP uh, is, is here co-hosting with us today and has informed me that uh, he has no information for us. Absolutely not. Just questions. Just questions. I was trying to think about, uh, you know, what can I do to actually be sort of a, a, a decent participant? And then I realized I have no idea. Idea. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and we like you anyway, yeah, and uh, so we're, we're glad that you made it. Just to yeah. uh, the last thing the show needs is another me, yeah. uh, which has no nothing to uh, contribute whatsoever except for stupid questions. Yeah, then that's pretty much what this, is, especially with this topic. I, yes. have, I have nothing to offer. Okay, yeah. so. For those of you listening who, you know, your least favorite part of the show is, you it's know, me. is me, uh, well, maybe you don't <laughs> hey, want to listen to the rest of the thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so hang out with us. That's our topic today. I uh, want to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Just hit the uh, newsletter button right on our homepage. And uh, Sean Paxton, the homebrew chef, he's hanging out with us today, did the FM show. Uh, if for no other reason you get great recipes from the homebrew chef in our newsletter, just hit the newsletter button and sign up for that. Comes out at the beginning of every month or so. Uh, right around the beginning, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe leaning towards the middle, but still generally in the beginning of the middle. Uh, it does always come out before the first show of the month. Now, whether it comes out an hour before the show or a week before the show, <laughs> it's kind of like a jack in the box. You're you're refreshing that way. Cons- no, one, no one can tell. Yeah, okay. it's like a it's my gift to you. It's like a surprise every month. Surprise! So, uh, it's the newsletter. Yeah, and it makes that sound when yeah. it goes into your inbox. In <laughs> Not fact, you have uh, mail. we've surprise. replaced that entire AOL. You've got mail with yeah. surprise, surprise <laughs> newsletter. Yeah, that's going to be the latest sound clip that gets played over and over again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's see. Last bit of uh, what other announcements do I have here? Go to the Brewing Network store. I'm almost out of shirts. And when I run out, I'm going to order more. And I'm going to order hoodies. Because everybody there wants, you go. Everybody wants yeah. hoodies. That's Can a good we thing afford that? No. But, uh, man, we'll just put it on somebody's credit card. <laughs> like mine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yours. Or John's. We'll find someone's credit card yeah. to put it on. But we're going to order hoodies and stuff like that. We'll put it on Chris Graham's. I don't care. <laughs> what do I care? I still know that number, actually. <laughs> do you? <laughs> from working with him? All right. Colin, we'll talking after the show. Uh, last thing I want to say is, and I'm, a- I'm not even allowed to say this. It's against the rules, but I don't care. Hit those, um, maybe if I spell it. You know how when you talk around your kid and you don't want them to hear that word, you have to spell it? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if we taught our kids how to spell, that wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the deal is I'm not supposed to say to click those G-O-O-G-L-E ads that are on our website because it's free for you and it helps us out. You're not allowed to encourage that. I don't understand. <laughs> JP has no idea what no. I said. Hit those ads. 
Won't hurt you. He, he was trying to spell Google. No. Oh. Forget. Now they're going to drop I me. thought it was like a soccer thing. <laughs> I actually got a notice from them once because I think I, I don't know if I put it on our website in writing or I was clicking them a bunch myself, whatever I was doing. <laughs> and they sent me a letter and they're like, you can't click your own links and you can't encourage anybody to click your links either because that's cheating. But I don't care. All right, so. Screw him. That's why I spelt it, Colin. Colin's like, ooh, ooh, I know what he spelt. <laughs> oh, me, 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 me. Teacher, I'm surprised he didn't bring a polished apple. <laughs> yeah. No, I brought beer. Yeah, he brought <laughs> polished beer. There instead. you go. So, all right, uh, let's get into our feedback. And I don't have our soundbite for the feedback, and it's the problem with doing remotes. We don't have our full studio with us. Yes, Although it kind of looks like we do. Um, but feedback this week. I got a lot of really good mail this week. It was nice. You always get good mail. It's nice to hear. You know, sometimes, well, here's the difference. Sometimes you get people who like throw you these one or two sentences, and that's, that's fine. You know, we like all that too. But sometimes you get stuff where people, you can tell they've really thought about the show, and they, they thought about ideas for us, and, and what they like and they don't like, and that's always fun to get. Because it, it, it's kind of, it's just encouraging that people, you know, spend any of their time thinking about the show even when they're not listening to it. Yeah. You know. I agree. Which is something that I don't even do. So it's cool when uh, listeners do it. So let me read a couple of these uh, things that we got. One's a long one. Hey, Justin, uh, been an archive listener for the past couple months now, and I love the Brewing Network. I must admit that I became aware of the network through the Jamil Show, uh, but I discovered the Sunday Show quickly thereafter. And he says, while the Jamil Show is informative and interesting, it tends to be a little bland at times. He's not talking about you, John. Don't worry. John's not listening. Don't worry. The Sunday Show, however, is never bland. Which is probably true. Even on the days when all of you guys are past the point of hungover, the show is still entertaining. And the guests are great, and Doc's slurring info is much appreciated. <laughs> I love that about our Doc. I miss yeah. Doc. I, know. I haven't seen him since the last show I did with him. You know what? I don't think I've seen him since the last show you did with him. He hasn't been on in like a month now. And he's home today. He won't be on the show today. He's going to make a, a cameo appearance on next Sunday show. And then I think he might be gone the week after that, too. I don't know what's happening. Send Doc hate mail. Doc at thebrewingnetwork.com. Ask him where he's been. <laughs> but he likes that. And he says, Daniela's World Vigorously is a nice addition to the otherwise very localized brewcast. There you go. See? So, uh, you know, you got a fan. At least one. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Ben. He says, I have two reasons for writing. The first is to ask a couple of questions, and he wants to know if I've batch sparged yet. Remember we did a show a long time ago because I got all fed up with my all-grain brewing, and I was angry, and I cried. And uh, <laughs> Danny Kahn came on the show, and he taught me how to do batch sparging, and he just wants to know um, if I did that and how it went. And I thought I had come back and done a, um, a follow-up of that, but I guess maybe I didn't. I have switched now to batch sparging instead of fly sparging, Colin. I'm, I'm an official. I batch sparge. Why? Uh, because I'm la- uh, uh, what's the word? Um, not lazy. Denny Khan's got something else. I forget. Like efficient or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, lazy I'm and efficient. I could see how you'd interchange those <laughs> yeah. two words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you were lazy, you would do that. Oh, uh, pragmatic. There you go. Because I'm pragmatic, and because I kept screwing up my uh, fly sparging. Well, what were you doing to get your fly sparging wrong? Doing it, I think is. Really yeah, I, think if, I, yeah. I, I, I did it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's how you screw it up. No, we don't know because there was could have been a number of factors. It could have been that I had channeling, or it could have been that I did it too quickly, or it Your could have just been that I'm stupid. And it's probably that I'm stupid. So Denny came on. And he's like, "Listen, you know, there are a number of things that we could probably troubleshoot and figure out what you're doing wrong, but give batch sparging a try, just for the heck of it." Because it will eliminate most of those things in one fell swoop, and you're probably going to get the same efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. And you may even save yourself some time. So what was your efficiency? <laughs> Ten. Really big. 
It was like over 80%, actually. It was really oh, amazing. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, it was that's, actually really... amazing. I was getting great efficiency. I have that uh, the B3 Igloo setup. Right. The 10 gallon, the 20 gallon, whatever that, 10 gallon 10 ones. Gallon, yeah. I got the big ones. And uh, it, I was getting really good efficiency. And, and for me, uh, the batch sparging ended up working out so well because it, it kind of cut off a step for me, which essentially was the sparge step where you would have to normally take an hour um, to get it done. Um it takes me like 10 minutes because you don't have to do it slowly. You just dump it all out as fast as you can get it to flow, you know, your, your, your wort. Um, and then you do it again. And it was a piece of cake. Like you rinse it one more time. So I don't have to do that sort of slow sparge, get all the timing right, make sure I have an inch of water above the grain bed, et cetera, et cetera. With a batch sparge, I just dump it out. I fill it up again with 170 degree water and I dump it out again and I'm done. And I got great efficiency out of it. I could see how that would work. Yeah. Denny Kahn's argument in the end was, uh, and, and even I, th- I think John Palmer has said something to the same effect, uh, there will be a difference in efficiency between fly sparging and batch sparging, but on a homebrew level, it's so minute that we probably won't even notice in our beer in terms of flavor and, and gravity and, and things of that nature. So I am now officially a batch sparger because it went really well. The, f- the very first time I did it, it went really well. And then Daniela did it after that, and it went really well. And uh, we've now moved on to screwing up other parts of our process. Well, that they can all be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more sessions and uh, maybe... In fact, uh, I'm going to sidetrack here for a second. You have to. Surprise, surprise. Ah. Uh, I'm, I've been in a, pre- a depression for two days, Colin, since uh, waking up yesterday morning. Because Anna Nicole you, you knew I was going to be on the show longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up really depressed yesterday because I lost my first five gallons of beer. Lost oh. it. Yeah. On our carpet. Yeah, my carpet received it, and I lost it. Did you break the carboy? No. Uh, it w- I had already kegged it, and uh, I was carbonating it at 30 pounds. And why? See, here's what happened. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? It all comes down to the fact that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But and you're not we all know that. Dull. You're flat. What is? What are you doing? Well, I like to pump it up to 30 pounds why? because it. I'm going to answer you why. Okay. Because it only takes like three days to carbonate them. Whereas if I put it at 12 pounds, it takes like seven or eight. And you know, I want to. I want to get it done. This is not the problem. I do it all the time. That's fine. What you don't do when you have it up to 30 pounds is is keep the tap part connected to the keg too. Right, so, oh, yeah, yeah, so that you yeah, have yeah. not only the CO two on the corny, but you also have it tapped. Right. Well, I tapped it uh, because I wanted it. I was testing it. I had to taste it. Right. It had been on for two days, and I had to taste it. And when I went to bed, I forgot to take the tap off. So I left it on at thirty pounds, fully tapped, and somewhere in the middle. Oh, and on top of that, I don't have the right size hose in my tap. I jerry rigged it, as as we say, jury rig. Is that what they say? It's yeah, not yeah. Jerry? No, no. You I thought Jerry. Jerry, so you're not guilty. Oh. They I say other things, like, too. But I thought there was like some moron named Jerry. and then <laughs> no, I've heard Jerry, too. Thank you. Well, I jerry-rigged it, too, then. Yeah. You custom-rigged uh, it. It was too large, and so I just did a good clamp job on it, you know, and it always worked fine when I just was serving at 12 pounds, but sitting overnight with 30 pounds of CO2 on it, you know, PSI, uh, yeah, so uh, at some point during the night, it sprung a leak. And then proceeded to leak all night long until, uh, you know, my roommate woke up uh, yesterday morning and found a large black porter stain, five gallons worth, <laughs> on our living room carpet. Really, on your white I'm, living room carpet? I'm yes. super angry at you. I'm yeah. really angry because I worked for this beer for six hours. I bought the grain. I did everything. And you just... Listen, I'm depressed it. enough. Like, I need this. I don't care. <laughs> like, I need you to tell me how bad no, I am. No, but it's the truth. 
All right, I'm an evil, terrible person. Yes, first, you are. First, you stain my life, then you stain my carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate yeah. you so much. <laughs> and it you. was our first real mutual brew too. I don't think it was that good anyway. I mean, it probably wasn't very good. So, <laughs> because you don't know what good beer is, I'm really angry. Yeah, so, don't carbonate it. I literally, uh, I had been in this funk since it happened, and I didn't pay. I thought, uh, you know, it's it must be my life that I'm depressed about. I thought about it today. It really isn't. My life's fine. I'm depressed about losing the beer. And uh, I'm really bummed about it. So I uh, lost my first five gallons of beer. Uh, anyway, okay, back to the feedback. So, yes, batch barging is good. Um, let's see. Second reason. Oh, the second reason this person wrote into us is he wants to tell me that I'm right. And I always like emails like that. You know, remember when? Remember that one time when Doc was wrong? Yes. And I was right? About the sugars? Remember that? I that, one, that one time? That one time. Yeah. <laughs> it was only like three weeks ago. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, well, he wants, to, he wants me to know uh, that I'm right about Wikipedia, too. Long time ago, everyone in the chat room was really jumping all over me because I said, listen, Wikipedia is not the gospel. Like, it's a bunch of idiots like me. Uh, you know, you can type anything you want in there. Yeah. And, I, and I just was saying, you know, not that it isn't a, a good resource for information, but that it's not as reliable as other resources because, any, because until it gets checked and balanced, mm-hmm. anybody can type anything onto it. Exactly. Well, everyone who loves their Wikipedia went all nuts on me, you know, oh... You know what is Encyclopedia Britannica paying you to say that, and and they are the gospel, and uh, and all this. Well, this guy writes back to say he did his whole PhD thesis um, and, uh, on 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 things like this, and he went to Wikipedia for some some information about an ancient Greek philosopher, and there were like four sentences on him, and each sentence was wrong. They were all completely wrong, and so he just wanted me to know that I was right, that it's a good source for sort of like general knowledge, yeah. but if you need specifics, you don't go to Wikipedia. Absolutely. Oh, what's this guy's name? Jeff. 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 Please correct that article. You're helping everybody. And and that's that 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 ends up being the bottom line that people do go and correct it. But how do you know? How do you know it's been fully corrected? Because you go to another website, check it out. Well, then why why not just go to the other website first? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's you my know, point. Hey, about Wikipedia. I agree. So I, really, the point there was that I was right, and he told me so. You know, Wikipedia is like your 15 year old child. You know, they're almost there. Yeah, and 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 you see them make mistakes, but you also see them do good things too. You know, it's true. And sometimes you got to smack them around. <laughs> yeah, is that what you're like? You're say? doing right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> call them a whore and lock them in their bedroom. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. Hey, Justin, I'm a home brewer in the UK. Been brewing for about two years. Found your podcast and website through Google about a year ago and been listening to the Sunday and Jamil show archives religiously. Uh, not been able to listen live because of the time difference. Uh, first, love the shows. Uh, he says that he doesn't have a homebrew shop or a club near him, so this is the closest thing he gets to a brewing community. Uh, and he says the sheer amount of knowledge and information that comes out of each show is, is just huge. So I think that's a cool thing about us. I like that where people who live where there aren't other homebrewers around. We, we kind of have our own little club going on here. We so. are your club. We're, we're the club, the official club. Uh, secondly, he says, something I think would be cool to have access to is just the interviews during our shows. He says, as much as I enjoy listening to the shows as a whole, quite often I just want to revisit a certain interview to check out what so-and-so said about something or other. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to just listen to the interview uh, on your own. And the reason I wanted to read this one is because I'm on it, my brother. I'm actually already started cutting out just the interviews from the shows, and we're going to start streaming uh, those as well as making them available for download. Uh, but don't ask me when, because right? it's a lot of work. I mean, there's a over there's like a, 
almost two years worth of shows I got to go through. Is that right after the newsletter is done? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> as soon as the newsletter is done, you can look for that. And um, and thirdly, he he wants us uh, to tag the archives as well, so that people can just search for them. And that's another thing that that we're working on, but it requires a, a lot of work. And I'm actually uh, just give a heads up. I'm going to be enlisting some uh, some loyal listeners from the forum to help me out with that. I need people to listen to our old archives and write down all the key words that that would make that archive searchable because I have to create a database on the website. This is the big pain in the ass about the whole thing is that a database has to be created in order for these to be searchable. But I think it's probably one of the best things we could do for our archive page. So I'd like to do it and I'm going to need help from from listeners. So look for a post in the forum soon where I'm saying, you know, as you're listening, write down the keywords so we can do that. Uh, Let's see. What else do I got? Is moron a keyword? Uh, yeah, and, and that <laughs> you're would talking be about right. the Friday show, and then you know, in which case you get all the hits. And and of course, that would be during every episode we've ever done. So moron isn't going to help anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except I guess I could take it out of the Colin shows. And <laughs> there re- you go. And no, 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 no. You need to just keep it in the Colin just keep shows. it for those. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's it for for feedback. So um, you can give us feedback if if you'd like to at uh, Justin at thebrewingnetwork dot com or feedback. At thebrewingnetwork.com. Pretty easy. And uh, we really like to, to get the feedback, not just so we can read it on the air, but so we know you know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and, and all the rest. So Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com or feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. All right. It's time for everybody's uh, favorite part uh, of the show. It's uh, Daniela's World Viga Rose, and she has new theme music this week. Do I? You Uh-oh. do. Yeah. It's all about the rest of the world. Daniela's World Vigorously. Wam bam, bon ça se passe, j'ai sur mon lit à bouffer ça dans en buvant dans mon whisky quand à moi un peu dormi, vie débris, mais j'ai dû dormir dans la bouteille. Oh, I like my new music. Woo-hoo-hoo. What language is that? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> it's French, you moron. <laughs> Thank you. There it goes. You can tag this show. Yeah, tag that. <laughs> there you go. French Good. moron. For my Vigorous World this week, I was watching Bud TV all week long. Bud? Bud. Oh, Bud. <laughs> Bud TV. You are watching Bud TV. I'm watching Bud I TV. thought for a second her and I had something in common. <laughs> you, you both subscribe to that cable channel? Yeah. Bud TV. So I don't know if you guys have heard about it. I think a couple of weeks ago, Budweiser launched Bud TV online. <laughs> JP is cracking up. <laughs> we just love your English. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bud. It's just bud.tv, right? It's not even it, .com. Exactly, it's bud.tv, and yeah. I checked it out. So okay. the first thing you have to do, which is really stupid, you have to um, verify that you're over 21 years old, which is ridiculous. It's the internet. There should not be such a thing like verification. Yeah. So I tried. I tried to do it wrong, and I do have an American uh, identification card. Put in all my information. Put in my birth date. I'm v- really young, but I'm over 21. <laughs> yeah. Put in my name, and it wouldn't accept me. Yeah. I tried like five different times. It says I don't exist in their database or whatever. So first thing is really stupid. Does that mean you're a terrorist? <laughs> you don't exist in the database? <laughs> Maybe. There was a whole article about that. Bud has taken it upon themselves to be like the overage, pl- you know, really making sure that they're weeding out under the ra- underage people. And there really was an article about it where they went around to all the other websites because a lot of the beer websites will ask you to put in your age in order to sign in. Uh, but it, it's really kind of ridiculous if you think about it because everybody can type it's in. It's an honor system thing. It yeah. is an honor. So Budweiser said, no, we're going to be more strict about it, whereas all the other companies said, listen, there's 
there's really not much we can do. Uh, anything more, you can get around it anyway. But Bud has taken it upon themselves to do that. So that's interesting that you're saying that they're really going for it with the Bud TV. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know what it is because I do have my identification card for three years now. So it's either that I'm a minority or I'm an alien. They just don't they or don't both. accept me or both. Yeah. So I logged on with your information, by the way. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you I was wondering. I did get an email from Bud TV saying I'm now registered. <laughs> you're, and on some, I thought, you're on some watch list. Now <laughs> yeah, I thought, that's weird. I didn't even subscribe. Yeah, they needed everything. No, they just need your name and they need your zip code and then they verify you. So it worked with you, old hag. Okay, perfect. So I started watching it. Um, registration was awful. Zero out of five Vigros beers for that. It was really terrible. It took me too long. Okay. Then you get on this website and they have this chick announcer there and she uh, explains to you how Bud TV works. Very retarded too. Zero out of five Vigro Spears. You don't need this explanation. And I, I saw that part. I, I wasn't against the the chick telling the rules. She's not even half naked. She's fully clothed. Yeah, oh. she is. Full, it's true. <laughs> and she's not. Nice. Yeah. I okay. I, you're right. You, you changed my mind. I'm with you. Thank you. So she's it, like got a sweater on. As a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, she has a, oh. She has an ugly sweater on, and she oh, and has it's like ugly. Awful hair. Well, Budweiser doesn't even send out Bud girls to the bars anymore. Is What's, that right? What is going on? And they don't have the, the girls wrestling in fountains on the on the commercials any longer. <laughs> what do they get? A new CEO or something? Yeah, they're very conservative. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, so that sucked too. So zero out of five Vigro beers. If they decide okay. to have the girl wear a bikini, I give them three beers. You'll go up to three. Yeah, I'm gonna send them an email anyway, so I will suggest that too. Okay. So then you, it's not a whole lot on there actually. You scroll through like different videos segments. It's basically really just a video thing. So the funny thing about it was they have their commercials on there, and one commercial was hilarious. You know, I've always appreciated Budweiser for their commercials, actually. Yeah, they do have great they commercials. They're really funny, and they had the one, I think it aired through the, um, during the Super Bowl, Scissor, a Paper, and Rock. Oh, that's funny. Guys, oh, my gosh. Cracked me up. Colin, you seen that commercial? No, you, you told me about it earlier this evening. So these two guys, they're, they're fighting over the last Bud Light. You know, we've all done that, right? The last Bud Light. That's been my last five years in prison for that. So they both run up to the cooler, and they both grab the bottle of Bud Light, and they make this agreement with each other, okay, we're going to have to do rock, paper, scissors for it. You know, it's a manly way to decide who gets the last beer. So sure, as they're about to do it, you know, they do the whole, you know, one, two, three, and you shoot. And as the guy, instead of throwing down his rock, his hand in the in the shape of a rock, he act he just throws a rock in the face of the other guy. <laughs> just knocks him out with an actual rock. Right. It's so f And the other guy yells, I was just throwing the paper. So that's just hilarious. It is Good funny. commercial. So that was funny. Then I scroll through. There's another segment called What Girls Want. And I, I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's why I had to verify my age. So that's, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Totally sucky. Really? Zero, zero out of five by gross beers. Super boring. It's just three chicks. They're, they're kind of hot. So I would see why a guy maybe would be enjoying that. Yeah. And they go out to bars. They grab guys, like one specific guy, and they give them a makeover. Oh. So it's like that, uh, what's it called, JP? That one show? The Swan. The Jamil show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one where they make over uh, heterosexuals? Yeah. That's yeah. why John's on there. <laughs> okay. Well, so, so it's similar to that. Yeah. So okay. they have that on there. And they have a few other series on there, too. So what they do, they have different episodes, different series. One is animated. It's about a guy who wakes up and the whole uh, humanity is gone. He's like the only human being alive. Oh, yeah. I would like that. You would like that? Yeah. I'm sick of people. Who would listen to your program? I don't care. <laughs> I just want to be left alone. Who would malt your grains? I just really want to be left alone. Who would brew beer for you? Uh, all right, I'd keep calling around <laughs> as long as he left me alone. All right, go on, please. So that yeah, I won't date you. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't to my interest either. They have some um, commercials or trailers for movies up there, funny movies that are coming out of in one movie. And then... 
The only segment that I really liked is okay. they have uh, short films on that website. Okay. All kinds of short films, different topics, and that's the only part I really enjoyed about it. And those were good? Those were really good. Okay. Yeah. They're really, uh, if you're into that kind of thing, go and check them out. They're really good. Um, overall, the yeah. website gets one out of five. It has nothing to do with beer whatsoever. I couldn't see any connection. Maybe just like butt itself. Yeah, okay. You know, no beer content whatsoever. Okay. I think we don't need it. Don't need. Don't even need to have it there. No. It's a waste of <laughs> it's internet space. It's a waste space. of an IP address. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Well, luckily, we've already, uh, you know, pissed off Anheuser-Busch to the point that they're never going to sponsor us. So I guess it doesn't matter that you, you're saying that that's also a waste of IP address. Well, you know, I'm just trying to give them some constructive criticism. Maybe they can improve it. Okay. If they would come up with something good, I think Beer TV is awesome, per se. Yeah. Not like they do it, though. Yeah. Stupid. I think the Brewing Network could do a better job. I mean, we at least would have JP in a bikini. Uh, instructing <laughs> people true. how to use At it. At yeah. What, the bikini? At the very least. <laughs> I, I think I'll pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll pass. Yeah. You'll pass your food again. He's lying. Meanwhile, mouth. Colin is putting it in his favorites right now. <laughs> it doesn't even exist yet, and he's bookmarking <laughs> the page. So, to sum it up once more in my life, I'm totally disappointed by Anheuser-Busch. Really? Yes. Okay. Is that it? That's it. Harsh words for the Germans. Yeah. Daniela's World, Vagarosli, everybody. The part we all look forward to in every Sunday show. That would be the Japanese version. Yeah, I like how JP has gone. uh, It's like four languages in one there. (laughs) I like that JP is our most politically correct guest. That's right. Well, we're in public. Especially when we're out in in public. We can always count on JP to be... You know what I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah. If it was good noon, forget about it. (laughs) All right. We got lots more beer to drink and fun to have. When we come back, we're going to play Beer Jeopardy. And I'm going to need some folks from the audience to come up uh, for a chance to win some prizes and uh, test your beer knowledge. And some of it's going to be about Downtown Joe's. So if you're a regular here, you might be a prime candidate. Hang in there. It's the Brewing Network. And we'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, We're back broadcasting live from downtown Joe's in uh, Napa, of course, and having a good time with Colin Kaminsky, uh, who's uh, feeding me uh, uh, beverages and uh, and who knows what else, Colin. I, I never know. They, they, you have, you're like a... You're like a 12-sided die, Colin, in every sense of the word. I'm showing my uh, Dungeons & Dragons geekiness, by the way. John Foster, I know you know what I'm talking about. And you're calling yeah. me a geek. Yeah, and uh, because you're, you're, like, you're a scientist, uh, a brewer.
follower, and, and you're kind of a nutcase on the other end there sometimes. You know, Doc and I have some things in common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very strange that Doc can uh, he can be one of the best dentists I've, I've ever been to and uh, a person that I'm the most afraid of at the same time. <laughs> it's very strange. You ever play White Dot, Black Dot? <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but it sounds evil. I'm the Burning Man, All right, we're getting ready to play some Beer Jeopardy. Have we got our contestants uh, with us today? Okay, I think we've got everything. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to play for a couple of prizes. Uh, we've got some T-shirts to give away, uh, courtesy of the Brewing Network and friends of the Brewing Network. And then, Colin, what else are we are we giving away? Uh, well, we've got a tail wagon hat. Beautiful. And a tail wagon hoodie. And a hoodie. Yeah, I've got hoodies. I'll take the hoodie. <laughs> He's already got hoodies. Fast. Okay, then I'll tell you what. Uh, first place gets the hat and the hoodie. That's uh, that's a nice. grand prize right there. So first place today is going to get the hat and the hoodie. And uh, we'll give the runners up some shirts and different swag that we have. And uh, I'm going to have to buy a hoodie before I leave here. Yeah, I didn't know that you, that you had it. Now I, now I feel like I'm I'm smaller than you in no, my no, man I, place. You probably are. Well, you know, <laughs> that was the goal. In your bathing suit, you a T-shirt. But when I heard you didn't have hoodies. You're like, oh, I, I got a hoodie. Bastard. <laughs> he already has you on the good beer portion of the thing, right? Pretty much got me on every uh, level of the of the thing here. You're taller. All right, we're getting folks lined up here. We're going to have three uh, contestants uh, from uh, from from the bar and, and from various places. Uh, we're going to do some teaming up, too. Uh, Gucci and John are, are going to team up. Ooh. And we decided that they could be a team because John is hardly even a contestant. I mean, when you when you, you team him up with somebody and, and, make, and <laughs> team him up with Gooch, between the yeah. two of them, that's like one whole person. John's hardly a contestant. So. Gucci is hardly a man. So between the two, they equal a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> I hope that John, like, rips through this and makes me and JP look like retards. I'm going to spit on JP. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For $12. John, please say, haven't had him on the show in a while. I'm glad that you came out to hang out with us and, and have some fun. Um yeah, you can sit down right there, John. We'll put you and Gooch on the end. And uh, you guys are a team. Um, and then uh, what else we have here? Uh, we've got JP and Carolyn. Who's Carolyn? Carolyn is uh, is is Colin's significant other. Nice. And she's a lot better looking than you are, JP. Yeah, oh, I which, can imagine that. Which isn't saying a whole lot, but no. I just thought I'd point it out. Yes, well, I so. appreciate that. And we're just going to grab one more chair, but Carolyn, you can sit in this one right here. And then uh, if we can get one more chair up here, anybody can can, can bring it. Uh, maybe that one will work. And that way our, our other contestant, uh, who looks like is Dave right here from the bar, is going to be hanging out with us and playing Beer Jeopardy. So we got Dave, uh, JP and Carolyn and uh, and and John and the Gooch, the Gooch, Gooch. all playing together. So uh, Dave is a, a patron of Downtown Joe's here, and uh, throw these headphones on right there, Dave, so you can hear what we're saying. And uh, I will explain the rules of. I got a lot of a uh, lot of that backed up in there. Yeah, it's good for you. Though. It's uh, it's from that weird drink that I was served at the at the break there. Uh, can you hear us okay, Dave? Yep. All right, you can. So you're going to have to get real close and talk into the mic there. And uh, you're a fan of the Downtown Joe's beer? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So uh, that's the only requirement that we have here for you to play. And uh, let me explain the rules. What we've got here for our Beer Jeopardy game, uh, folks at home and, and regular listeners, you already know the deal here. We've got four categories. And uh, there's a, a total of, uh, uh, of four questions in each category, 100 points through 400 points. And it works a lot uh, like Jeopardy. The only difference is that you don't have to answer in the form of a question. You can just answer. It's no big deal. But there is a trick to answering. You have to make a buzzer sound. And each one of you is going to have your own buzzer sound. I got mine. Chicken Boy, what's your buzzer sound? Oh, it, oh, it was a... Uh... 
Biggity, no, Biggity Doppelbach. <laughs> okay, Biggity Doppelbach is yeah. John's. And Gooch, you might have to do that buzzer too. If you know the answer, you're going to have to jump in there and say Biggity Doppelbach three times fast. Okay, so that's your buzzer. Uh, JP and Carolyn, what's your buzzer sound going to be? Uh, I'm partial to clang. Clang, clang, clang. So they're gonna, they're gonna, and, and Dave, you have to. You can either make up your own, or we'll make up one for you. I would suggest you make up your own. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm good with you guys. So we'll make one up for you. Okay, uh, Dave, your buzzer sound is prost. Prost. No. prost. prost. That's all you have to do is say prost, and you have to drink every time you say it too. No, I'm kidding, Dave. You just have to say Prost when you want to buzz in. But make sure you jump right there up on the microphone when you when you know the answer, and uh, and, and that way I'll know uh, who, who answered first. Danielle, of course, will have to assist me in deciding who buzzed in first, and um, and, and we'll get on with the game. I was just handed a drink from uh, the homebrew chef, uh, which uh, the last time I was handed a drink from the homebrew chef, uh, uh, I, I woke up the next morning sore, and uh, I didn't know where I was. <laughs> But, uh, hey, I'll give it another try. What the hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not experimenting if you don't do it more than once. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. Now, let me make sure I've got all the categories right today. Now, Dave, I'm going to have the answers right next to me here. Don't look over my shoulder and cheat. I never would. I hope so. I don't know you very well. Your, <laughs> no, category, you your categories today are do it like the Germans do. Which, uh, if you've ever seen those films, <laughs> freaky stuff. Do it like the Germans. That's your first category. Uh, no, in no particular order. Your second category is to beer or not to beer. It's one of my favorite categories. That is the question. Your next category is random things Daniela found on Google. She spends a lot of time there. And the last category today is you say Kaminsky, I say mad scientist. And that's our final category. And Dave, I'm going to give you a hint right now. Just for you, everybody else, cover your ears. If you come to Downtown Joe's often, that's going to be your category right there, buddy. It's where you're going to get the edge. Okay. You're playing for a hoodie, you know. Some companies have hoodies. (laughs) And Dave, since we go so far back, I'm going to give you control of the board. You get to pick the first one. Now, you don't have to pick an order, 100 through 400. You could go right for 400 points if you wanted to. Uh, uh, Whatever you want to do, pick any category, and and you have control of the board, sir. Well, uh, you say Kaminsky, I say Mad Scientist for 400. Going right for 400 oh, points. Straight out of the gate. You say Kaminsky, I say Mad Scientist. The question is, Colin brews his beer on a how many barrel system? How many bear? Anybody can buzz in. Biggity Doppelbach. Cling. Okay, Carolyn and JP have buzzed in first. Colin has a seven barrel brew house. That is correct. He brews on seven barrels. That's right. But the way he uses it, it's more like an eight barrel. (laughs) That's true. So that's 400 points for Carolyn and JP, and you folks have control of the board. There you go. Go ahead and pick a category and a score, please. Carolyn and JP. Uh, What category do you want to Let's go random things Daniela found on Google okay. for 100. For 100 points, random things Daniela found on Google. The question is, which one of the following historical figures used to brew his or her own beer? It's multiple choice. Which one of these used to brew their own beer? Mahatma Gandhi? <laughs> oh, yeah. Franz Joseph Strauss? Uh, that was the ex-prime minister of Bavaria for us Americans. 
Napoleon Bonaparte or George Washington? Diggity Doppelbach. Ooh, I think Diggity Doppelbach. John George Fink. Washington. That is correct. George ba- George Washington was actually an accomplished brewmaster. Brewing beer is very peaceful for me. One of his handwritten <laughs> recipes is still exposed in the New York Public Library. You can still go and read it there. So uh, that's uh, 100 points for JP and the Gooch, and you folks have control Wait, of the Wait, for who? Board. For what? JP Call me and the JP. Gooch. Uh, sorry, John. Yeah, oh. there you go. That whole confusion about the J- who's JP Let's and who's Google John. Google for 200. Google for 200. What is a glucophilic? A glucophilic. <laughs> I told you it's random uh, things Daniela found on Google. What is a glucophilic? Uh, Clang. Go ahead, JP. Um, someone who likes sugar. Hmm. I'm going to move on, but I might come back to you. Are you going to tell me I'm wrong or something? Or? Dave, do you, would you like to buzz in? You don't lose any points, even if you wanted to say anything. Okay, pro. Go ahead. Um, someone who likes fruit sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colin, do we want to give either one of them the answer? You know what a glucophilic is, don't you? I totally do the same thing. You would have said the same thing. Well, let's let biggity, the biggity, biggity. let's let the let's let the audience decide. Uh, biggity, who, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, someone who's uh, glucose intolerant. No, that's definitely wrong. You don't oh. even get a vote. <laughs> but a good guess. Okay. The actual answer, a glucophilic, is an organism that thrives on glucose. Oh. So, in a sense, JP was, was close, but Colin's saying no, Daniela's saying no. Does anybody want to say yes to, to JP out there? Yes, I said no. yes. No. Yes. Okay, no points for anybody, and uh, John P. still has control of the board. Google 300. Google for 300. Belgium is the country with the most unique beer brands in the world. They have over how many? Clang. Go ahead, JP. 400. That is correct. They have over 400 different brands of beer, and that's 200 points for uh, JP. And Carolyn giving you folks control of the board. Go ahead, please. How about do it like the Germans for 100? That a girl. For 100 points, do it like the Germans. This is a multiple-choice question, everybody, so wait for the answers. Which is the oldest still-existing brewery in Germany? Augustiner Brau, Brewery Weinstefan, Allgauer Brauhaus, or Krombacher Brauer? Playing. Go ahead, JP. Uh, Weinstefan? That is correct. It's been around since 1040, Weinstefan. Colin, this is always an amazing thing to me when we start talking about uh, German breweries that have been around since 1040. That's amazing to me. Just, just that uh, that be, they've been using the same yeast since then. Colin said, uh, "Yeah, it is just a, 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 tr- a true bit of history there." So Daniel is happy because I'm a Greek and I'm on fire. And you still have control of the board, Carolyn and JP. Go ahead, please. How about do it like the Germans for 200? All right, all right. Listen closely. The original Reinheitsgebot law of 1516 allows only what three ingredients in beer? Biggity Doppelbach. Go ahead, John. Grain, hops, and yeast? No. No? No? That is not correct. Say it. Say it. Clang. Go ahead. Water, hops, and barley? Close enough. That's right. Water, hops, and malt. Yeast wasn't added until later. The original Reinheinsgebot did not include yeast. Uh, and they added it to the Reinheinsgebot. I don't know the year, but they, they did it a little Proof bit that later. knowledge by osmosis works. <laughs> wow. Carolyn and JP are doing great, and you still have control of the board. 
Um, how about to beer or not to beer for a hundred? One of my favorite categories: to beer or not to beer. I'm going to give you the name of a beer. You're going to tell me if it is actually a beer or if I just pulled it out of my armpit. Ready? Yes. For 100 points, you're a gay superstopper. Clang. Go ahead. A beer. No, you're wrong. It's not a real beer. The real beer is actually Uruguay Doppelsticke, which is an alt beer brewed in the Uruguay Hausbrauerei in Germany. We'll go ahead and give them. Well, no, I didn't. We don't take away points for. Yeah, take away a hundred from them. Everybody else, they don't. That sounds like something the Germans would do. Double stocker. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's go ahead and give Dave control of the board. No. no, you don't want control. All right, John P. You have control of the board. Google four hundred. Uh, hundred's gone already, isn't it? Four hundred. Four hundred. Okay, let me find you here. Ah, here we go. Good question. What American university had its own brew house and five beer halls in the year 1674? They had it up until the year 1674. Prost. Go ahead, Dave. Yale. No, sir. Not Yale. Good guess, though. Clang. Uh, JP. Uh, Harvard. That is correct. Oh. Harvard. Yeah. They had all, they had five beer halls and, and their own brewery, all of which were burnt down by rioting students in the year 1674. Of At that point in time, what do you have to riot about? Well, not only that. That our powdered wigs aren't powdered enough? And if you're gonna burn stuff down, you don't burn down the beer hall. Burn down the lecture hall. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't good beer. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they burned <laughs> it down because it wasn't good. All right, uh, JP, you have control of the board and running away with the score, I'm afraid. You say Kaminsky, I say Mad Scientist for 300. Okay, for 300 points. When not, this is multiple choice, when not brewing for Downtown Joe's, Colin is A, building gliders, B, building motorcycles, C, building guitars, or D, all of the above. Bing, <laughs> I th- you think Dave came in before John? All right, Dave, go ahead, please. I'd go with guitars. Clang. Uh, go ahead. All of the above. <laughs> That's true. It's not. He does do guitars. You're right, Dave. But he also uh, builds gliders and motorcycles and and probably skyscrapers. I have no idea. The guy's a trick question. The guy does a lot. I mean, he brewed his own kid. You know, (laughs) once you brew your own kid, you're pretty much you do everything. He's the first one to genetically brew a child. How long do you have to mash? I did all the hard work. work. Wait a minute. (laughs) He said the opposite, actually, Carol. He said he did all the hard work. I'm sure he did, and is still doing all the hard work. As you can see, you're thinking really because I don't remember being that hard. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sorry, Colin. (laughs) Carol and JP, you have control of the board. How about do it like the Germans for 300? All right, doing it like the Germans for 300 points. The famous German beer style Kölsch, 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 all the different ways to say it, originates in which city? Which Biggity city? Go ahead, John. Cologne. That is correct. In Cologne, Germany. That gives John and Gooch. What are you doing back there, Gooch? You're not doing anything for this team. Give me back. He's looking good over there. Yeah. Give John a shoulder rub or something. He's uh, doing like the Germans for him. For how many points? Is that the last one? Does that clear out the category? Okay, multiple choice. 
How many liters of beer were consumed during the Oktoberfest in 2006, last year's Oktoberfest? Was it A, 4.3 million liters, B, 5.2 million liters, C, 6.1 million liters, or D, 7.5 million liters? You could just pick a letter. Clang? Go ahead. Um, C. C, 6.1 million liters is correct. Those festival goers at the Oktoberfest know how to drink their beer. 6.1 million liters over what, a 14-day period? Wow. Unbelievable. That's like uh, seven days at my house. That's like how much my carpet drank this week. (laughs) Sucks to be you. Yeah. Uh, can they even be beaten at this point, JP and Carol? No, no I think chance. they've walked away with it. We'll let them finish anyway. Go ahead and pick uh, a question, just for fun. How about to beer or not to beer for 400? For 400 points, the beer is Harry Eyeball. Clang. Go ahead, JP. That is a beer. That's right. Lagunitas Brewing Company makes it. Go ahead and pick another one. It's funny that you let me finish on that one. Can, um, <laughs> go ahead. It looks like JP says. How about let's do, uh, you say Kaminsky, I say Mad Scientist for 200. For 200 points, all the malt used in Downtown Joe's beer is blank. Clang. Go ahead, JP. From Brewer Supply Group. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true, but it's not the correct answer. Oh. Anybody else like to chime in? It's all... I'll give you a hint. It's, been ger- it's all from... Bluer Supply Group. Bluer Supply Group. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Breeze? Uh, no. And it's a geographical area. It's all from... Dave, you're the last one to buzz in. Would you like to take a stab? It's no. a really big geographical area. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give Dave style points for that. Yeah. Dave gets 300 points for style. They're actually all from Europe. All of his malts are from Europe. Being not quite as large as Washington, but uh, just as much fun. And uh, do we have anything? What do we got? 100 points for uh, Mad Scientist just for fun? Let's do it. You say Kaminsky. I say Mad Scientist. Before becoming brewmaster at Downtown Joe's, Colin was A, unemployed. B, a rocket scientist. C, a product designer at B3, or D, on a spy mission 2,000 feet below the surface of the Baltic Sea. Go ahead, John. C. C is correct. He had an unfair advantage. He used to work with the man. Very he used cautious. to work. He was a uh, product designer for uh, beer, beer, and more beer. And if you listen to the shows, uh, you know that quite well. Well, I think our uh, winners today... We have to beer and not to beer. Two more, man. Uh, do we? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. For two and three. beer and not to beer for 200, please? No. Okay. <laughs> for 200... Cosmic Charlie Y2K Catastrophe Ale. Clang. Go ahead. No. It actually is a beer. Are you kidding yeah. me with That's that minus name? That's minus 200 yeah, That's minus 200 for them. It's a barley wine brewed by Central Waters Brew Pub right here in the United States. Yeah. Right here. Right here. Right here. Which is near Washington. Sure. And what do we have next? For 300, to beer or not to beer, for 300 points, Dirty Dick's Ale. Clang. Go ahead. That's a beer. That is a beer. It's brewed by Young's and Co. Brewery in the U. It's an English bitter, and it's called uh, Young's Dirty Dicks Ale, which, uh, by the way, is a great name for a beer. Well, who's our winner, Daniela? Is that uh, John? Oh, JP. I want you to total that and tattoo it on your forehead, please. All right. So uh, I guess JP gets to take home a Downtown Joe's hoodie, and uh, Carolyn, you get a hat. 
Sweet. You probably have both of these things at home, don't you? Uh, yeah. You already do. <laughs> and uh, Dave, you get to take home a T-shirt. We're, g- we're going to give you some T-shirt stuff uh, because we have uh, prizes for everybody. John and Gooch, you get nothing. Thank you. <laughs> you get a free FM keychain, which is also a bottle opener. <laughs> you can keep it. And a free Ooh. FM mom sticker. You know, I think I can that. donate yeah, yeah. my hat over to John. You're going to donate it to John? Yeah, All right, you, I think John, I'll do that. You get a downtown Ooh. Joe's hat courtesy of, uh, All right. of Carolyn. Congratulations. Uh, good work, everybody, for our first ever Beer Jeopardy live from downtown Joe's. We're going to be taking a quick break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to start talking about how to take care of your beer from the fermenter to the bottle or keg. Colin's got all the lowdown on how to take care of that stuff. We'll be right back. Hang in there. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the Brewing Network, broadcasting live from downtown Joe's right here in downtown Napa. If you're in the area, uh, come on out and join us. The beer is flowing, and it's uh, real tasty. And I'm sure that really soon here, somewhere in the world, it's going to be midnight. And Colin uh, likes to, uh, you know, uh, make everybody uh, have a toast at where it's midnight somewhere in the world. So I'm, I'm sure that's got to be coming or up. Or noon. Or noon. With, as, long as, it's 12, noon. as long as it's 12 of some form or another. Uh, we're going to get into our uh, beer discussion here in just a moment, but I want to take a second to say, and Danielle, I'm sure that you can you can relate to this uh, as well, and you're in the chat room there, so at least you're a little closer, but as much as I like coming out and doing these things, I think it's a lot of fun to come do remotes and have a beer jeopardy like that where everybody gets involved and, and hang out and be in the new places. I really feel detached from our listeners when we do it for too long, like because we've done it for a couple of weeks now, and, uh, and I love our listeners, and they're a huge part of our show when they're calling in and having fun with us and and doing that whole thing so i just want to give a a special hello and a thank you and we're thinking about you to the to to you listeners who uh you know do the participation part and 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 really like it when we're in the studio because we feel closer to you uh we're still thinking about you even though we're out here and we're going to be back there in two weeks with uh, john palmer is going to be in the studio with us we're going to be doing a show and you're going to get to phone up to our regular number and skype in and do everything that you always do so i just wanted you to know that even though it might feel like we're uh, a million miles away. We're really only like 500,000 miles yeah, away. Which is pretty good. Yeah. If you think about it. If you do think closely yeah. about yeah. it, it's really pretty good. The only thing I don't like is that I have to operate here on five inches of space. Yeah, and I'm going to be falling off the stage very soon. Now you, you know have the least amount of desk space. Now you know what I've been doing my whole adult life. <laughs> but you can, I don't know what that means. <laughs> operating on five inches of space? I see. <laughs> uh, but you can join us in the chat room uh, just the same as now. always. And of course, Daniela is in there with you, and uh, I've got some questions that came in via email for Colin already, but you can join us in the chat room, just hit the chat now button right on our homepage, as always, and uh, send our questions through, and uh, that way you'll be able to to ask all the things that you normally like to. Uh, just join us there. And like I said, we'll be back home in two weeks, and then everyone can call and, and have all the normal normal fun that we do. Colin has taken us away from you for, for just a short period of time. It's been a lot of fun, but you know, to, if I need to run a phone 
landline just to keep you guys here. We can do that too. <laughs> then we'll have to give, do you, that. give you your own downtown Joe's phone number. Yeah. See, maybe we need to do that, and that way I'll still feel uh, a test because I have uh, separation anxiety. Is what ends up happening. And, uh, then for the off time, you can go back to slinging beers. Yeah, bring network is Justin. Oh, oh, you want a beer on table four? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, test your equipment with us even when we're doing on location <laughs> things, and make sure your doorbell works. I You're think driving. it's twelve o'clock somewhere. Is it? Uh, Danielle is telling me that I'm driving tonight, except that I'm being handed a beer that I, it's 12. You're driving. That's the deal. Day. So it's 12, and what am I going to do? <laughs> you can only yell at me so much in one night before I stop you know, listening. Uh, you're so, driving. Let's go ahead and turn that microphone off. And uh, <laughs> It's now 12 somewhere in the world, huh, Colin? And, uh, uh, it is now 12. I'm what sure happens at Downtown Joe's is the staff gathers around uh, for fun and mayhem, and we all chug a beer at 12 somewhere in the world. I urge you folks at home to also consume a glass of beer John Foster, come here. during this short moment of dead air. Lahayim. Hold, hold, please. Daniela. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the toast Lahayim. Uh, basically, it means bottoms up from right to left. Really? <laughs> Thank you, JP. <laughs> Proving that the toast is over. <laughs> all right. Did I ruin a moment? I'm sorry. Not at all. I think that was touching in its own right. I was just trying to get back to the microphone first. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. So join us in the chat room because we're about to start talking about uh, essentially conditioning, conditioning and preparing your beer. And Colin's going to help us out with that because he's found uh, that in different competitions, uh, an otherwise perfectly good beer has been ruined from some uh, at some point or another, or from some part of the process, from the time it leaves the fermenter to the time it ends up in a vessel. And I'm hoping that we can talk not only about bottles but about kegging as well, Colin. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good enough because I think we've got a pretty split audience out there. Well, good. You know, I, after bottling, I don't know, 260 bottles with uh, my assistant and I basically sitting on a keg in a 40-degree w- room, uh, bottling out of a sample cock, um, I can say <laughs> that uh, kegging is my favorite. Yeah. He said sample cock. <laughs> uh, kegging is a lot more fun. Uh, the beer he's talking about is you put your uh, wet-hopped beer into uh, champagne bottles. We were talking about it during the FM show. So you had to do a lot of bottling, just 240 bottles it was. And, yeah, and literally we did it exactly. Exactly like a homebrew, two two sixty, I think it was. You did okay, and it, and it was just like a homebrewer would. I mean, literally opened a spigot on a tank, let it gravity feed into a bottle, closed it off, added some priming sugar, really put a cork in it, tied a basket on it, um, had to spray adhesive onto Kinko's labels. <laughs> so not even a counter pressure filler, just poured it straight in. Well, yeah, we wanted to bottle condition it um, for a couple of reasons. We wanted to make sure that the uh, that we scavenge the oxygen out of the headspace, okay. and, and having active yeast will do that. Okay, um, and because we, we, I couldn't convince myself I could get an oxygen-free transfer out of one of my tanks. Okay, I don't have a bottling line like a big factory, right? And uh, you know, I have a counterpressure bottle filler, but uh, I don't have enough experience with it. I've only done maybe a hundred bottles with it. Okay, and you know that's fine if I'm entering a competition or taking bottles home, but uh, to sell to my customers, I need I need a hundred percent perfection. Okay, ooh, nice, perfect. All right, so we're going to get back to, to everything you just said because that's kind of the meat of, of the, the situation here. But I want to start with um, kind of uh, 
fermentation and the end of fermentation because one of the things that I'm concerned about is uh, making beer that has some longevity in whatever we put it in. And I think that starts before we ever even put it into a vessel. Well, and it, you know, and it does. A little bit of it starts in the brew house, and that's why uh, they talk about hot side aeration. Um, I don't think I'm not as concerned about hot side aeration as as the big places like Anheuser Busch. Okay, but, but um, I am uh, concerned about hot side aeration, um, and the reason being is once those oxygen once those oxygen molecules start to make an affinity for another molecule, that takes that molecule out of its ability to ever grab another oxygen molecule. Okay, you know, so and that's so, what happens during that. What is hot side aeration, so that people know? Um, that's when you splash your wort around, and so you. Normally, you know, for centuries, we didn't think that getting air into wort was a problem. Yeah. Because it's so hot, air doesn't dissolve very well into it. Okay. But it turns out that the little tiny bit that does dissolve into it is really active, and it grabs onto some really important molecules. And is there a temperature threshold that we're talking about here? Is it over 90 degrees? Is it over 120 degrees? What's the hot side? Well, I consider the hot side anything before the wort chiller. Okay. Um... So so even over 80 degrees can be hot side aeration you're talking about. Well, yeah, except, you know, for me, there's a pretty sharp break between yeah. 180 and, and 70. But so if our, say we're, we're you know, if we're uh, out of the mash, okay, if we're mashing at, yes, say, 150. Yes, definitely worry about it in the mash. That's definitely know? somewhere we can get it. If we just dump that stuff out without maybe running a hose well, to the bottom of our vessel so it doesn't splash. Sure, and, and when you look, read these art, these papers that are being written by the scientists studying this, they're going uh, to the extent of flushing the uh, grain mill with nitrogen so that the husks don't trap air in it. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, in order to do some of these experiments. And so, you know, some of these things might end up in production facilities and some might not. Okay. I personally, you know, I'm not as concerned as Budweiser, but I do pay attention to it. Okay. What about um, aerating even your uh, your sparge water? Well, you know, again, you hot water doesn't like to pick up uh, water. And no, I, I yeah. actually do make sure I don't aerate my sparge water. Um, I have an inch of water above my grain bed, and I drop the sparge uh, head, where arm is kind of the wrong word, my sparge head, yeah. below that level. Oh, you do? Oh, so, so it's, it's actually submerged under your, your cushion space. No kidding. Right? Exactly, yeah. Huh, I, I, don't, I don't drop the water at all. That's interesting. I've actually never seen that. No, no, no. And I'll tell you what, uh, aside from hot, ser- hot side aeration, you know what I've worried about when I, when I was fly sparging is, is, is how much temperature bed. I'm losing. Cause it's a, uh, with my sparge arm, it's a really small stream of water and it's traveling through four inches of air before it gets to the, and I was always wondering if it starts at, at 170 and it's this tiny stream of water, what is it by the time it's going through my grain bed? You well, know? well, you know, earlier you were saying you're using a 10 gallon got cooler. Yeah. And when I had to use that same setup, I mounted my sparge arm through a hole in the lid, and I sparged blind. Ah, uh, okay. And which is a challenging thing to do, but at least I kept the temperature in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, okay. So while we're on the, the hot side aeration too, I want to bring up a point that I've heard uh, people talk about, and that's that. Um, some people aren't convinced that hot side aeration exists, that it's not definitive enough, uh, the science isn't done deciding that, yes, it actually happens. Do you, have you heard these? these? Absolutely. Okay. One of my favorite beer scientists uh, is, is trying to disprove hot side aeration. That's okay. Charlie Bamforth over at UC Davis. Okay. And uh, he thinks it's all, of, all the results of one researcher. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm not up to. I, last time I talked to him about it was about four years ago. Yeah, and they've done a lot of research since then. Um, 
my guess is, is he's going to find what, what the rest of us has found, and that is there's the middle of the road. Okay. You certainly can go overboard with hot side aeration, okay. but you also don't need to flush all your grain and nitrogen either. Sure. And by the way, if only one sur- researcher invented Viagra, I'd still believe in it. That's true. You know what I'm saying? That means you've tried it, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm just saying that, you know, the, you know, the proof isn't in the numbers. The proof is in the pudding. So to speak. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, and, that, and that's true. And when we look at the, the papers that are coming out about all of this, really what they want to do is take a beer and have it be on a, a warm store shelf for six months. Okay. And, and and then decide for ourselves if it you know if it's really if it's there or not. Yeah, well you know in my my situation I have control over my beer until it gets into the glass, so I'm not real concerned about that. Yeah. It's never going to be above forty because okay. it's in my aging tank. Sure. Okay, so as a rule though, we're we're, we're going to try to avoid hot side aeration. It's a good thing to think about. Okay, you know just in case it is real and uh, and it sounds like it, a lot of the research shows that it is. Well, I don't I don't think it's anything extra you really have to do. I mean, you just have to don't just, splash. Yeah, pay pay careful attention. And that's it. I mean, that's what you're doing anyway. Well, and it's also good practice for the most important time you don't want to splash, and that's after you fermented the beer. Okay. Because little tiny bits Mm -hmm. of oxygen at this point make a huge change in the flavor. Absolutely. And we'll be talking about that when we we get to it, too. What else in our our process here before we've gone to the fermenter, aside from hot side aeration, are we looking at for a longevity of beer? And I guess, and you guys know what I mean. I just want to be clear about it. Some things don't, some things that you've done wrong don't show up in your beer for several months. And this is kind of the things that you were talking about, Colin, that a home brewer can, they can bottle a great beer, but by the time it gets to somebody else, these things, these changes have, have happened. Well, you know, Brian Hunt at Moonlight Brewing, when I was learning to brew, taught me one of my favorite things to, to try to reiterate to home brewer. And that is, you know, if you don't leave crumbs around, you don't get rats. And, and you don't want to leave any food sources in your beer okay. that might attract something that you don't want in your beer. Okay. So one of the things that we do is we try to leave all of our break in the kettle because that's a big protein source for, for things that are going to want to try to eat our, live in our uh, beers later on. Okay. Would that be, would those proteins be easier to eat than the sugars? Would they be easier? Well, to we're assuming more that the yeast has eaten most of the sugar. And, and so now it's got to find an alternative food source. Well, uh-huh. for any alternative food source, we're going to find an organism that can consume it. Okay. Now, you know, there's a sh- very short list of things that can live in beer, mm-hmm. but some of them can live on protein. And that's, it's really an awesome point because you, you're just in organisms, uh, and like everything, you're just talking about survival of the fittest. So your, your point here is, is excellent that as soon as they run out of the readily available food, you're just going to go looking for some other non-readily available. And the ones that can adapt live, and the ones that can adapt are gone. Are gone. And, and we don't care about the ones that can adapt, sure. but unfortunately some of them do adapt. They do, and those might be the ones that are going to feed on the protein or, or something else. Okay. Or, or something else that you've left, yeah. So transferring as clean of a wort as possible, and, and, and we've said that for as common knowledge, but uh, it's really important for, for these kind of, if you're talking about longevity. And well, and this is one of the things that you are, that a listener should remember. If you hear five different speakers on this radio show yeah. all telling you the same thing, yeah. it's because it's something that we're seeing that people aren't doing, yeah. and it's something that we think is important. Well, unless I say it, and then it's like reading Wikipedia. You should check somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to clarify, like, uh, like if you have uh, bacteria and, and you have a protein and you have a sugar, What's gonna, what's the bacteria going to eat first? Is it going to go for the protein? The more readily, uh, you know what I mean? Is is those well, are those chains more it, broken, more able to broken down by the bacteria? It's, it's not as simple as an on and off decision. Okay, so you're going to have five billion cells, 
And sure. some of those cells are going to say, hey, this sugar's a lot easier to eat. And some of them are going to say, yeah. hey, you know what? i got some protein around. I'm going to try some protein. Okay. And right. and so it isn't as cut and dry. And when you look at the, the curves um, before the sugar's all the way gone, the protein is starting to be eaten. Okay. Okay. All right. Perfect. So a nice clean transfer. And, and here we're talking about things like a good whirlpool. Uh, and mm-hmm. and now, now some people have sent in questions to us uh, talking about, hey, I did a whirlpool, and I, and I still didn't get the results, and I whirlpooled for 10 minutes, and then I went ahead and transferred. Uh, we've talked about on here doing a whirlpool and letting things settle for 20 minutes, 25 mm-hmm. minutes, 30 well, minutes. How you know. long you need to settle has is dependent on the height of your kettle. Okay. So uh, my kettle's roughly six feet tall. All right. And I have to settle for 45 minutes. If I settle for 30 minutes, I don't get enough of the break left in the kettle. Okay. And settling any longer, I don't get any more. Okay. So I use uh, 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 kettle finings um, to make a more compact settlement. The only reason I do that is because it gives me a little bit more yield out of the kettle. Okay. I don't do that because I get a better settle or anything. It's just a little more compact at the bottom. That makes so sense. I use a product called Whirlflock. Yeah. As as do we. Uh, homebrewers use it all the time, too. And and actually knowing that we get more out of the kettle is a great point because we want to do the same thing, even though it's a small scale. Well, we still you know, want all that for work. me, I find if I can get an extra five gallons out of every brew, that's an extra 500 gallons a year. Yeah. And, and, and for and me, that means two days I can stay home. That's right. Family. Yeah. And I can lose five gallons to my carpet and yeah. still have <laughs> a little left uh, to drink. What did you clean that stain up with? We have a steam cleaner, luckily. <laughs> like that one of those, like a, like a regular shampoo. That's a random <laughs> thing for you to have. So you, you plan, but it's on a good this. point. Like it's a yeah. We uh, well, we plan on anything stupid to happen around me is what we do. So we have a number of safeguards in place: fire extinguishers, etc. Is that uh, why the studio's padded? Just so in case you knock around in it. Yeah, yeah, that isn't soundproofing. It's just in padding. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you asked that because it was a porter that we lost on onto my carpet, which is a white carpet essentially. Uh, okay. Uh, now a, a couple of things that I just want to mention about uh, getting uh, clean beer uh, from the kettle. And they're things we've talked about on the show. So along with your Whirlpool, one thing you might want to think about going to your home shop, uh, homebrew shop and asking them to do is put in a diverter plate. And John Plissé actually taught me about the diverter plate. He has a great one on his kettle. And uh, a diverter plate will, uh, it go. it's basically about an inch away from your uh, your spout outlet. And uh, it allows that sediment that you've, uh, that's built up into a cone from your Whirlpool to stay behind the, the plate mm-hmm. and, and less chance of it being uh, sucked through uh, the the uh, spout, right? So yeah, that's a great it, it, one. It gives you a little bit more knockout out of the kettle, and, and, and I have a I have a diverter plate that I use as well. You do yeah. even on your large kettle, okay? Yeah. I love mine; it's great, cool. And now something that I use and that we've talked about before. In fact, I got an email about it this week. Someone asking about my results is uh, something like uh, a hop stopper. It's a product. It's it's a that's their name for it. the brand name is the hop stopper, and essentially it's just a piece of copper tube that goes from the spout to about the middle of my kettle, which is a converted keg, and then has a big screen all around. It's just a big mesh, a wire mesh screen. And I've had nothing but great results with it. I, I've um, brewed with one of those myself. You actually, did? Okay. B- before they existed, that technology existed. Okay. And I brewed with it, and I had great <laughs> results with it as well. Yeah. It, it's really, a, it's a cool thing to have. And, and for me, my Whirlpool actually only matters in terms of cooling down my wort, because I want it to pass all around um, my... Uh, uh, 
my chiller, which is, uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank on what it's Immersion called? Immersion chiller? Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and that's why I want a Whirlpool. With something like the hop stopper, it doesn't matter if the stuff uh, is in the center or everywhere because that mesh screen is what's keeping it out. Well, you know, and Jamil uh, gave me a really good lesson the last time you guys were here, and, and that is at 70 degrees, which is where I cool my work to, yeah. um, or vert if uh, you're from Germany. Vert. Um, then, uh, which we're not, uh, thank God. There's still a lot of true left. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so trying to keep that out is a good thing. It is. Okay, so there's just a couple of methods uh, to to transfer a nice clean wort, and and that's I guess uh, step one. Where are we going to from there? Well, of course we uh, now we're in uh, our well, fermenter. We, we want to add oxygen, getting into our fermenter, right? Of course, but but we don't want fermentation. Pre fermentation, we don't ever want to add oxygen after fermentation. At any point that there's alcohol, we don't want to add any oxygen. So even once it's begun, so we're talking right from the beginning of fermentation, we don't want to add oxygen. Here's a common discussion I have in the professional world, and and one of the things that uh, we do a lot in the professional world is double batch. So what you'll do is you'll brew, you'll have a seven-barrel brew house like mine, yeah. but you'll have a 14-barrel fermenter. Okay. So you'll brew seven barrels in the morning, yep. and then you'll oxygenate that, and then you'll brew seven barrels in the afternoon, and you won't oxygenate that. Because even in that four-hour gap, you're worried that there's enough uh, alcohols in there okay. that you're going to start causing problems. Ah, fair enough. Uh, and that's a that's an excellent point. Uh, so, but that's also because you're doing these huge starter pitches. Uh, so it, it, it even over four hours, it's you're probably assuming you've started fermentation with the amount of yeast that you're pitching. Yeah. Yeah. I and you know I I usually close the door to my office by six or seven at night. Gotcha. And when I come back in at eight the next morning, um, I always have a extremely vigorous fermentation. Sometimes I'm That's vigorose on this show. <laughs> uh, extremely vigorous uh, fermentation, um, and often it's uh, already blowing off, and I have uh, uh, about forty five percent headspace. Wow. On my fermenters. Okay. Okay, so um, you have forty-five percent headspace. I do. I have uh, ten-barrel fermenters, and I I only fill them to seven barrels. Wow, that's a lot. Sorry, you're all right, JP. You okay? You need. I'm, a, I'm good. I need a towel. I was I'm getting ask the vapors you over. If you here. needed a paper towel, I do. Okay, as long <laughs> as you. Yeah. As long as you're good. I'm golden. <laughs> uh, join us in the chat room. Just a reminder, you can ask all your questions there. And uh, we're talking about how to make sure that your beer uh, stays uh, healthy and tasty, um, you know, from the time that you brew it to the time that we're going to be drinking it out of whatever vessel we're talking about. So, okay, so proper aeration and then not aerating too late. If fermentation has begun, forget about it. Yeah, you know, forget about it. And, and people, you know, run, we used to run into this problem at Beer, Beer, More Beer all the time. You get this phone call, hey, my fermentation's stuck. What do I do? Well, you know, the truth of the matter is your fermentation stuck because the yeast wasn't healthy enough when you pitched it. Okay. Um, or it got too cold. Okay. All you can really do is warm it up. And and if it's somewhere below 68 for an ale, yeah. um, you need to bring it back up to 68. Okay. Um, that's pretty much all you can do. You know, you can try to rouse it by shaking it up or something. Yeah. Um, personally, that's not my favorite choice. Um, I would prefer the yeast to get back into solution and find its own own happy medium than uh, for you to have to do it yourself uh, yeah because there's some dead things at the bottom of your fermenter that you don't really want to stir back in 
Okay, fair enough. Okay, before we move on, because we've already gotten to the to the fermenter part, I had a question come through about a, a, a no-chill method that one of our listeners uses, and he wanted your opinion on it specifically. Okay. He said he wanted me to ask Colin, uh, since we're addressing uh, different you know uh, contamination issues, he said he's wondering what you think about a no-chill no wort production. Um, he wants to know what sort of contamination issues should be considered and your thoughts in uh, in general concerning the, the method. Uh, and I guess basically he, he doesn't chill his wort. He, he just... It's not a method. That's the lack of a method. It's the lack of well, a method. Well, no, no, method. that's not necessarily Well, some true. people, though, just don't want to chill, and they just transfer and uh, yeah, yeah, so, call so, it a day. So, so Are you think about, Yes, think about this. <laughs> people you take, do you, that? Yeah, what? You, <laughs> you take your boiling wort, you put it in the stainless fermenter, because you wouldn't want to heat up a carboy that hot. Okay. And then what you do is you have it completely sanitized and sealed during the whole natural chilling process. Um, sorry about that. So if, if you if you do that... Um, then what, what you're really doing is creating an artificial force test. And, and that's the issue with it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you ever do force testing? No, I'm, no, I don't, no Wait, I don't know what Okay, it is. so a force test is basically you sanitize a vessel. Yeah. Um, you take some of your wort and you leave it in there oh, right, right, for right, three right. or four days. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and make sure it doesn't ferment. I have done that, yes. Okay, okay. well, that's a force test. So okay. basically what he's doing is an artificial force test. And then at some point, what, 24 hours later? Um, exactly. He, he can pitch his yeast. Yeah. That's well, what they're see, saying, that they'll go ahead and just transfer it to something like a plastic bucket, because maybe it's too hot for glass. Sure. They'll seal the bucket yeah. and then wait for it to be pitched temp and then go ahead and pitch. Okay, yes. so sealing, yeah. well, I, I need to mention this right go away ahead. because sealing a bucket is a really bad idea because there are certain organisms that can live in an anaerobic environment that can't possibly live with air. Okay. And they're really dangerous organisms. You don't ever take anything hot and seal it and then refrigerate it. Interesting. You don't do that with chicken. You don't do that with, with old pizza. Okay. You do, yeah. Do not ever create a vacuum. So in this case, bottom, maybe just a foil or saran wrap over the top would be better. Saran wrap and a rubber band or something like that. Or yeah. just put the lid on but don't snap it on. That Exactly right. Okay. What you want to do is cover it. Yeah. And make, but you want, but not if air's going to come back in. And if it, air can't come back in, you're going to create a vacuum. Okay. And create a dangerous situation. A life threatening dangerous situation. Like Excellent botulism point. and E. coli All that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's botulism. Who knows what botulism? Okay. Well, see, now, I mean, but, so how does that method, and uh, forgive me if I'm stepping on your answer, but how, I mean, a lot of things in brewing, you know, I've been doing it for like 10 years, I counted the other day, which is scary, because uh, I still don't know what I'm doing. Um, but, You're but, 22 years old now, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, how, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in brewing that kind of contradicts itself. And to me, that seems like a walking contradiction of, of, of let's just, you know, let's just let it stay warm and, and cool down naturally for 24 hours. Well, meanwhile, most people are, are, are wetting their pants because they don't have fermentation in four. Okay, but so now let's take a look at this, though. So one of the reasons why we get contaminations is inside our wort chillers. So if we eliminate the wort chiller out of the situation, they're finding a solution to a problem. Now, it's not my choice of a solution, but it is mm-hmm. finding a solution to a problem. And, okay. uh, you know, I don't know uh, how I would deal with it. If I was a home brewer and trying to do that, you, you need to make sure you never are under negative pressure. Um, so I'd be rigging up something to flush with nitrogen or something crazy like that. If you're not rigging up anything what, crazy, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, well, which would be more complicated yeah. than actually just 
sanitizing a work chiller. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the issue here isn't whether or not people want to chill their wort. It's uh, some people who are just starting just and who can't. are on more of a limited budget. They don't have a chiller in, in the beginning. Okay, and so uh, when I didn't have a chiller, yeah. we filled the bathtub with water and yeah. a bag of ice. And I've done yeah. the same. I, and, I, I put it in the took, sink when I didn't and, have one. And we yet. took the boil kettle and we swirled it around in the bathtub. Okay, so maybe some people are just lazy. Well, no, I, I really do think they found a clever solution that has its own problem. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So there you go. That's your answer of the of the no chill method. We got to take a break. I'll take a, a, a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna move forward and uh, talk about more things that you can do to protect your beer and process it properly before you get to the uh, uh, container, you know, portion of, of your beer. So can I just say how impressed I am with myself that I know things? Yeah, thank uh, you. You can say that. Okay, Good. I'm impressed with myself because I know things. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Everyone else is very impressed with you too, JP. Thank you. All right. Hang in there, everybody. You're tuned to the Brewing Network. We're at Downtown Joe's live tonight. Come on out and join us. We're here for another uh, couple of hours, and Colin's helping us learn how to package our beer. Hang in there. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the Brewcast, broadcasting live from downtown Joe's in Napa. And we're going to be here next week, too. So if you're in the area and you haven't made plans yet, come out and join us next week. We're having a lot of fun out here. If and, Gucci uh, can make it, you can make it. That's right. Uh, although Gucci has his own plane. So, oh, he does? Uh, yeah. Well, it's not his own. It, actually, it belongs to us. Oh, taxpayer? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he just uses it whenever he wants to and flies all over. <laughs> he just threw a gang sign. He did. He's very gangsta-like, Gucci is. Check this out. He is. He's very mob-like, even. I was talking about getting a guest on the show, um, and I was like, well, the guest is in California, but, like, far away. And Gucci is like, uh, we, I could fly him. I could just fly him in. And I'm like, are you ki- What is this? The, the mafia or something? In case you didn't know, I have an airplane. And I, I was fly. thinking, I was thinking, how crazy is it that I can call somebody up and go, would you want to do the show? Well, it's really far. Oh, don't worry. I'll send a plane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is happening around send here? send a plane. Well, then, uh, can you pay for a hotel? No, we're broke. No, oh. we can't. No, no, I can't give you a hotel. No place to stay. But I'll definitely send a plane. Yeah. You pay your taxes, right? Yeah. Well, you got a plane, too. How weird is that? And then Gucci weird. shows up and they're like, that's our pilot? I'm like, yeah, don't worry. He's fine. <laughs> Welcome to Airplane Airlines. Yeah. I'd get in a plane with him. Get on my back. I'll fly you. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. He's got that weird twitch, you know, and uh, one eye flutters a lot. Is there a turbulence, Captain? No, I'm just twitching. No, that's my my twitchy (laughs) right arm. (laughs) When I was learning to fly gliders, my glider instructor would get into the glider ahead of me so he could suck oxygen for about 20 minutes to get rid of his hangover. (laughs) Nice. He's like, okay, I'm ready. Don't talk too loud. Just go. And don't look at me. (laughs) Okay. Let's fly. Don't bounce on the runway. (laughs) All right. uh, Before we move on, um, I had a question uh, that that came through that was kind of a random question that I think we can throw in here. 
But now I have to find it. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Now, here it is. So this person was transferring uh, what he calls, or she, maybe, a delicious hoppy amber to secondary. They were transferring it to secondary. And accidentally left about half to three quarters of a cup of iota four in the carboy. <laughs> Oops. Sounds like my star sand beer that everyone likes to make fun of me for doing it. Uh, yeah. He wants to know if this batch is poison now, or uh, can he just go ahead and gag it? I don't think y- so. You know, poison's probably not the right word. Will he be able to taste iodine? I would say absolutely. I've, I've tasted poorly rinsed bottles that uh, I could taste iodine in. Okay, you can taste it in in, uh, in, in some bars. You really? go to and they, you know, they still have the sanitizer. They give you the glass, you know, out of the sanitizer, and the mix is all off. Yeah, and it just it tastes like. Sanitizer. I, a, uh, a, a very famous local brewery here, uh, when they first opened, sent out some samples to a bunch of bars, all of which were iodine contaminated because oh. they, they were uh, overzealous. Uh, they were overzealous yeah. and they didn't want to wait till the iodine dried out of the bottles. Oh, oh I see. Yeah. Man. Well, being that it's an amber, though, he might have gotten a really great color <laughs> from the half a cup of iodine that he left in there. This yeah, is really you know, good. Don't drink it. Yeah. Well, I don't think it'll kill you. No. But, uh, okay. You, it, you know, I'm I'm really sorry. Get some more grain and brew again. Okay. Or and just take that one and pour it out on your carpet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do what I do. All right. Here's, yeah. I hear beer makes good shampoo. It does. Uh, it's, uh, oh, that's right. You can wash. Uh, JP knows all about it. <laughs> I do. Yes, I Washing do. Washing your hair with, with good beer. Yes, I do. Is that why he's bald? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you could do is, is have a party and, and then bring that out when everyone's had at least four beers. Yeah. So then you can't, your palate's toast anyway. Yeah. Here, try this homebrew. It's beer, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> or if somebody cuts themselves. If you can pour that beer on there you go. There you go. <laughs> and then it's sure to clean it. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start talking about uh, ways to, to prep your beer to be uh, put into a vessel, whether it be kegs or bottles, and not just prep your beer, but also prep uh, those vessels that you're going to put things into. So uh, why, don't we, why don't we go ahead and start uh, with that? Okay, so, w- so one of the things I, I need to say is that I don't really like what filters do to my beer. So you don't filter. I, so I try not to filter. I don't own a filter in this brewery. I've tried to not ever filter my home brews. Really? Look at that. Um, however, having a clear beer, I think, is extremely important to flavor. Yeah. Because each of it, each of the hazes you can get have their own flavor. Okay. And uh, one of the common ones I see, especially now in... Uh, in West Coast style brewing is polyphenol hazes, which are, there's polyphenols that are derived from wort, but there's also polyphenols that are derived from, uh, or from barley rather, there's also polyphenols that are derived from hops. With these really high hopping regimes that I and other people like to use, you end up with polyphenol hazes. Well, a polyphenol haze tastes like tannins. So it's hard to tell if you've oversparged your grain or if you've added too much hops or you just hmm. haven't let the polyphenol haze settle. Okay. And um, um, it has a distinct flavor. Um, it's a flavor of tea. Um, and I've found beers that, gosh, if you just settled that out, it would be beautiful. Okay. And the the traditional way to settle that out is uh, uh, lots of time and isinglass. It turns out that you can speed that up by adding PVPP or silica, both of which are available to home brewers. Okay. Uh, and where are we putting so the isinglass and the and the and the silica? Where in the process are these things going in? Well, if if I had to do it, I would do it in what you guys would call the secondary. Okay. I actually do it in my aging tanks, 
and then rack off of them on the way to the faucet. So that's basically your secondary, though. Your that's aging basically tank. my secondary. You've right. gone from the fermenter to an aging tank, right? And then into a serving vessel. And and sometimes I mix the findings in during the transfer. Okay. Sometimes I mix the findings in in the tank. Um, but really, what you're trying to do is is settle out all the hazes and and. You know, if we look at, at four kinds of hazes, um, you, you can have a polyphenol haze, which is usually hop-derived uh, in the way we brew. Um, you can have a starch haze, which means you didn't mash correctly, and there's nothing you can really do to fix that. Um, you can have a yeast haze, um, which is simply because your yeast didn't flocculate well, and time usually cures that. Usually, okay. time will cure yeast haze. Um, and then you and can that, have is that, is that lagering time? Lagering time, sure. Uh, what about bottles that are just sitting on the shelf? Will it, will that cure Indeed. yeast haze too? Well, you want to have them cold. Yeast wants okay. to drop out cold. Okay, you, it should drop out earlier, but um, cold's the best way. Cold's the best way. Okay. And fair. then the fourth kind of haze is what we would call you know, under a broad category biological hazes and that just means you got contaminated with something that's not going to settle out no matter what you did okay now you know can you find a biological haze out yeah probably you could yeah um, but it probably already did damage it's like choosing uh, who you're going to date like could you have figured out that you were pro- it's probably going to burn when you uh, use the restroom afterward yes <laughs> you, probably, you probably could have figured that out had you talked to her for five more minutes talking about if biological three haze less beers yeah. That yeah. Night. yeah speaking of biological that's your bi- yeah biological haze in that case is too many beers yeah. and you yeah, yeah. Uh, so but same thing you know with beer you could uh, just be a little patient take a little more time that's well, that's what I was telling you at the break about carbonating at 30 psi. That's wait a little bit. That's nonsense. Well, and, and, and here's one of the things I, I really could say is that 21 days of gravity will cure a lot of things. Okay. And and taking your secondary, you know, chilling it down as cold as you can get it, 40 degrees, 32 degrees, um, and just leaving it for 21 days, that's an amazing thing for beer flavor. Okay. Um, what you find is a, a lot of the uh, complicated molecules will start to link into longer chains. Yeah. The bad ones settle out. The good ones stay in. It helps your head retention, and it helps your flavor, and it helps your flavor stability. Okay. So here's what I'm interested in, because we're talking about then uh, transferring a clean beer to whatever our, our, our serving vessel is going to be. Uh, we're, we're not just leaving behind yeast. We're talking about uh, the haze that you're talking about is often a different sorts of a protein haze, right? Well, well, proteins and polyphenols bind together. Okay. So they become, they become one, okay. and they drop to the bottom. And that's so, what we want to go away. So, yeah, okay, we, so want we want yeast, we proteins, want polyphenols. And you, that, that's pretty much it. If we get everything clean, okay. Yeah. So, so when we're trans, that's what we're getting rid of when we transfer a clean beer. That that's our goal, right? And, okay. and when you look through your carboy and it's perfectly clean, yeah, and perfectly clear, yeah, then you've done a really good job of aging. Okay, that, that was your job during aging was to clarify that beer. Okay. And and now if you're a if you're a kegger, and, and, and we'll, we'll go into how to keg your beer, but if you do keg, uh, you could go the, the Jamil method, which is my method, too. Uh, we don't do a secondary. Our keg is our secondary. And, and that's how this works in my brewery, too. After okay. one week of fermentation, um, I go into my, my aging tank. Okay. And then what I do is uh, basically the same thing you could do by taking a Cornelius and taking a half inch off the dip tube. Okay. I just simply draw a little bit above the b- bottom. Okay. So that I'm not taking in the things that settle into the... 
yeah. into the product. Well, what about even if you... Because I don't trim my dip tube and I still uh, just have my secondary as a keg. I mean, couldn't you just... The first couple beers that you pour are going to have all that come out. Isn't it better even just to... Because you're then getting it out of the keg altogether, aren't you? Well, and that is a good thing. So let's let's think of some of the things that could be in the bottom. If you have yeast at the bottom, it could atolicize over a long time. Yeah. Even at cold temperatures, yeast can atolicize. Okay. Um, so if you were trying to, t- say, take a barley wine, yeah, you'd absolutely want to try to get that out. Yeah. It's probably better to rack one more time. Yeah, okay. because you're not... But even if you're drawing it out, you're not going to get it all out. Right. Okay. So okay. if it was a beer I wanted to keep a year, I'd, I maybe would add an, an extra transfer. Okay. But... That's only if I could guarantee that I could transfer oxygen free. Okay. Because oxygen's way worse than any of these things we're talking about. Okay. With a keg, you can, though. You can do a closed a, yeah. system transfer. Yeah. Yep. And we need to talk about that when we get to this, too, because okay. I, d- I definitely had some questions come through. I don't know how to do a closed system transfer, and I keg. So I think it'd be good to talk about well, how to do that. And the worst kind of closed system transfer you could do kept all the sediment in it. Oh, so right. You need to think about that. It just that pulled too. it all over from right. one to the next. Mm. And so that might be a good reason to have the shortened. Uh, in, in an aging vessel, especially if you're dry hopping. Yeah. Uh, in that, in that aging vessel. Yeah. I'm trying to go a whole show without making a dip tube joke. <laughs> it's hard. I've snickered. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Hey, I, mean, I get to say sample cock every day. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. so you're fine. I made a sample cock joke. I'm trying not to make a dip tube joke. No. You know? I mean, if Doc's not here, uh, then I, I feel like we might get to, through a whole show without a, a dip tube joke. You said dip tube. <laughs> <laughs> that's Doc. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, okay. That's why we need a phone line, just so I can hear Doc say that. I'm telling you, put I him know. on speakerphone. Put a microphone down to the speakerphone. Yeah. I, I can put my cell phone on speakerphone. Get him here one way or another. <laughs> you, know? you know he's miserable at home right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't throw up there. Don't touch your brother. Don't hit him like that. What are you doing? Get off the thing. He's home with the kids, and he's thinking, I could be drunk right now at downtown <laughs> Joe's and spewing my words of wisdom. He probably loaded his kids on, like, children's NyQuil, and he's half-hammered right now anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like listening with my pants and my ankles. <laughs> I just made that up. It's a good one. Okay, so clean beer yes. is, is is what we're talking about. Yeah, there. you know, and the use of eyes and glass and, and silica. And and I, I just want to say that it's my opinion, and not everybody agrees with me, sure. but it's certainly my opinion that clear beer tastes better. Okay, and both the eyes and glass and the silica you're saying could be added into the secondary vessel. Yeah, um, I only. Personally, I use PVPP. Yeah. Um, but only if I've done heavy dry hopping regimes. Okay. So five pounds of dry hops and seven barrels. Yeah. Um, then I, I need to get something more than Isinglass into the mix. Do, and that's or else it's going to taste like tannins. Okay. And then I'll use PVPP. Yeah. What if uh, now, if my method is just to go from the fermenter um, to the keg, or others will go from the fermenter to a bottling bucket to the bottle, could you add the Isinglass just to your pr- after fermentation, but it's still in the primary? Could you put it in there and, and get results? Um, you need to use Isinglass at the coldest temperature the product's ever going to be. Okay. Because any haze that's not visible when you add your findings stays in and becomes a chill haze later on. Okay. 
So okay. so if if you like I serve at 40, my ideal finding temperature would be 35 below what you serve. Below because then I'll never have a chill haze. Well, I can't do that here. So okay. I find once at 45 because it was easier that day. Yeah. And then I chilled it down to 40 and I had the most perfectly created chill haze you've ever seen. <laughs> See, that's an excellent that's such a logical point because yep. if you if you clarify at 68 degrees, which is where you're doing your ale, you know, but then you go ahead and chill it down for serving to, you know, 44. You're going to have a chill haze. In fact, you're going to have taken out all of the other molecules that yeah. would have taken your chill haze out. I see. So you've made a better chill haze than even before you started. You did something right. I see. I could probably <laughs> yeah. do that. Basically, I could screw it up the best. Yes. There, if I... Yes. Yeah. There's a uh, California brewery that makes their Hefeweizen in that exact way. Oh, really? They, they fine at 68 and make a chill haze. And, and Just you know, so it has the cloud. Hefe means, means yeast. Yeah, yeah. And so a hefe is supposed to be a yeast haze. Sure. But, uh, you know, they, they actually have a chill haze that's okay. so cloudy that you think it's a yeast haze. See, but... And, so and a great point. Yeah, you warm it up, it's crystal clear. A, a lot of the problems, I think, with, with bottling is that you can't do some of this stuff. Like So, yeah. so yeah. In, in actuality, what you're saying is that you can't use findings when you're bottling. Not in the bottle. No, but even even pre-bottle because sure then you, you don't have but then you don't have the enough yeast and suspension, right? Because it's all crashed down to the bottom. Or how would you how like if you if if let's say John made a really bad uh, pale ale and he wanted to to clarify it uh, and he was bottling, would he would he clarify like at forty, chill it down to forty, then clarify? Then how and would he and get then the rack yeast? off it into the bottling bucket? And then how would he get enough yeast in there's, there? You know what? If you have enough time, there's always enough cells of yeast. Even 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 if, even you, if you clarify, even really, if you find really not if you sterile. Oh wow! But if if you if you're gonna sit there and let that beer sit for three weeks, I promise you your yeast is gonna reactivate. You hear that, John? I like it when we talk about John like he's not in the room. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. great. Well, he's not half the time. He's not listening anyway. Yeah. So. You remember that time? Well, who that was John that cute girl I saw him with? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question uh, for you. Uh, what about carpet haze? Is you have a because <laughs> I wrung the hell out of that carpet and yeah. it's in the carboy right now. Can I get rid but, of that? Well, you know, if your steam cleaner works really well, yeah. you know, you'll have you a Budweiser out of the runnings. It's true, <laughs> Chad. We should have kept the beer that you <laughs> took from the carpet. We could have we could have gone to Docs and filtered it and had like a bud or something out of it. A nice uh, isn't that how they make Bud Light nice lawnmower beer? You know, shit, Colin. It's not lawnmower beer anymore. It's steam cleaner. I beer. have to call you before I take any drastic measures, including cleaning up my spills. Yeah. So, Colin, I got shit everywhere. What you can know, I do to I, save? I it? can offend your sponsors on this show equally. Right? Yeah. yeah, you can okay. do it, and and please try to offend them all uh, at once. Yeah. <laughs> Because therein lies the challenge. Okay. Okay. Still getting questions coming through. I'm going to wait on that one because it's about kicking. Okay. So uh, I think we've established to fine your beer as best you can so that you're transferring a nice cold beer. Fine it. And that's either by adding additives or by just waiting and and leaving it cold. Okay. Both of those things work. Both will do that. Okay. So now we're going to go into a vessel. And let's just go ahead and start with one and then we'll do the other. Okay. Let's start with bottling. Let's let's, let's start with bottling. And and, and I'm going to have John chime in on this when we get to it also. But uh, before we talk about transferring... 
transferring to the bottle, can we talk about how to prepare the bottles properly for... I mean, we've already mentioned just talking about somebody leaving iodine because they didn't yeah. wait for it to dry out, uh, different things. Uh, B3 sells... Uh, all homebrew shops sell things like bottle trees. Some people will tell you that that's ridiculous. You don't need that. I want to talk about all, kind of all of these things. How do we prep our bottle? Okay, so I, I when I was a homebrewer, had the craziest method for prepping a bottle. And I, I try to promote it because it's really effective as long as you do it exactly correct. Okay. What you do is you rinse your bottles out so that that visually, you know, shine a flashlight through them, there's nothing left. Okay. So okay. clean. they have to be clean. They, they have to be clean. And, and let's stop for just one second. I was explaining this to uh, uh, Chad, who's just starting to homebrew, too. Uh, and we've said on the show before, there's a difference between clean and sanitized. If right. you can see shit in there, it's not clean. Okay. Well, and, and, so, you so, and here's what George Fix taught us, and it was a great lesson. Okay. You can't sanitize a turd. There you go. Okay. And Doc <laughs> says the same thing. You can't sanitize what isn't clean. Exactly. Okay. It's so, not the same thing. There are two completely, completely different. different things. So when Colin says to shine a light in there and make sure you can't see anything, well, that's clean. Yeah, and right. I shine a light through the bottom of my, my okay. glass, and I look through the opening. Okay. And I want to make sure that bottom is spotless. Then, yeah, the spotless bottom means you can sanitize. Okay, because then it's clean, and now we can move on to sanitize. Okay. We all like a spotless bottom. Make sure it's not so, so I leave that last rinse water that I know, know was clean in it, and I stack all my bottles horizontally in my oven. And I warm my oven up to 200 degrees, and then I let it cool. I shut it off without opening the door and let it cool naturally. The first time you go, oh, gosh, I wonder if they're cool yet, and you open the door, they all break. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Colin, I'm thinking right off the bat, guy like me, stay away from the oven. Stay away from yeah. the oven, have You'd some dinner, you know, make out with a girlfriend, do whatever it takes. All right, slow but down. So we, we put it in at 200 degrees, and, and then, and for how long? Um, you know, it, it, by the time it cools down, it's sanitized. So it we, really we only needs to be wet, just heat turn chills. it up to 200, right. and then turn it off, and wait. And and t- wet heat kills, dry heat doesn't. So you need to make sure there's a little bit of water left in each bottle. So we've sanitized them. No, all we've just, done just is clean them. them. We just clean them. This is the sanitizing so step. Oh, so you're not even using like you're five stars. You don't even so need to use everything. any chemical. You can rely on heat to kill. See, I don't like you saying this to people. <laughs> I, I'm uncomfortable with this whole process. I'd rather you have said, put them in some five-star and hope for the best. Than, that, that's because yeah. it fits inside the box. Yeah. But, but I don't fit inside the box. Okay. All right. Well, let's... let's, let's Colin's a little bigger. <laughs> it's, uh, so we've heard. <laughs> All right. So let's go. So we clean it. We shine a light. Okay. okay so, the, the, so we clean it. Yeah. Then we want to sanitize it. Okay. So one method is to put it in the oven and heat it to 200 degrees. Okay. Then you don't have to worry about any chemicals. Okay. Okay. Then uh, at that point, you have to make sure that it's it's all the way cool, or they're going to crack on their own. As soon as you open the door, as soon as crack. you open the door, you'll start hearing them pop. Okay. You okay. don't want that. You don't want that unless you don't care about your bottles. Okay. Okay. Or your so own. another way to do it would be to put iodophor in in it and rinse it and put it on a bottle tree. At that point, you need to make sure that they're dry because iodine completely flashes off before the water does. Okay. So once the iodine's gone, you're never going to taste anything else. There's okay. nothing left behind. Okay. Okay. Uh, iodophor is great rinser for in that regard. Now, what if we... Uh, <coughs> Oh my goodness. What if we choke on air? Uh, another thing we can Die. use is star sand. Now, that's what I'm going to ask you. Go. Can we leave, uh, if we use star sand, uh, can it stay wet? Or do we want that to dry also? I, I can't taste it if it's simply wet. 
I can taste it if there's a volume of liquid in the bottle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and so that's the difference. Would I leave any on purpose? No. Have well, I left some on accident? Yes. Well, you've I, left I, some on purpose. Okay, I well, I've done some spiking tests. At yeah, D3. like like when we when we first got our first samples, Colin was the one who kind of tried everything out, and he had a carboy full of foam and racked on top of it. And yeah. we couldn't taste that one. No. And no, but then also what I did is I took pints of beer, and I just started adding star sand until we could taste it. Is that what happened to you? Uh, yeah, that was one of the things, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, either that or a late night at Regan's house. I can't oh, remember which. God. <laughs> your brain melts out of your ears. So, because here's why I'm asking that question, is that me, and, and after after Charlie came on our show, Charlie Talley from Five Star, and talked about all this stuff, I'm more inclined to leave... Uh, some foam to bottle wet if I, if I'm using star sand because it's an to me it's an added protection because anything that does happen to get into that bottle if it's still wet with star sand it's going to kill it still so nothing but if it dries out if I wait for them to dry I feel like I have more of an opportunity for contamination well, there was a, a uh, this is a little bit of a long story so bear with me okay. so there's a very famous piece of science history and basically they were trying to take meat broths and they were trying to stop hazes from forming in them. And the idea was that the hazes were something living. And the big argument between the scientists of the day was that life is created spontaneously, and the other was life infects in. Well, now obviously we know that we need a living cell to infect in. But the person who finally proved this took a beaker, boiled his broth, and put an S-shaped tube on the top. That S-shaped tube made a complicated enough path that nothing could actually settle in out of the air. Okay. Now, it's my opinion that if I turn my bottle upside down, that's a complicated enough path that nothing's going to settle in. Okay. Yeah. I like bottling trees in that regard. So a bottling tree would be good. Uh, uh, I use uh, my, my dishwasher, uh, which is clean, by the way. Not yes. after, not with a load of dirty dishes. No. But after cleaning no. all the dishes. You can put the bottles in your dishwasher, yeah, too. As, as Regan says, bacteria fall down. They don't fall down and go up and then under and then back down into something. I, I used to say bacteria doesn't have little wings. Okay. Fair enough. So it doesn't oh, swim. It doesn't, nice. it doesn't fly. So, okay. Fair enough. Uh, so I guess with the either way, with the with the star sand, it sounds like you don't want to puddle uh, in there. But maybe it's okay if it's wet. You, and, you, if you keep spiking if it, dry. if you keep spiking a beer... You okay. will find that there is a flavor threshold, and, okay. you, and you can detect it at some point. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, clean, sanitized, and dry bottles. I had a question come through. Is this a serious question about the rubber on the bottom? <laughs> yes. Really? Is it yours? Whose question is it? The rubber it's baby Metech's buggy question. Buggy Metech. Okay. Uh, because I'm going to have to clarify what we're talking We're talking about bottles here. And the question was, won't the rubber on the bottom melt if I put it in the oven? Uh, not kegs. Don't put your kegs in the oven. We're j- only bottles. <laughs> and we're only talking about bottles now, which don't have the rubber on the bottom. No. There is a way to sanitize kegs with heat, too. Okay. Without melting the rubber without on the bottom. Without melting the rubber, yeah. All right. We'll get to that then. <laughs> put Med- your, put your brew system in the burner, in the in the oven. Is MedTech drunk of the week again already? No, I think it's a race between him and BC. Ah, they're, they're, they're fighting. They're, they're fighting. bitch slapping each other. No, I'm, if you're fighting, if you're drunk, then you're not drunk. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they are drunk. Okay, so that's preparing your bottles is making sure they're clean and then and then making sure they're sanitized. Keep them upside down in one form or another. And now we're going to go ahead and bottle. Now you, Colin, like you were telling us about the champagne bottles, you did it. You just kind of gravity fed because you uh, uh, naturally carbonated. Right. So one of the things that we can leave inside to uh, protect ourselves is yeast. 
and uh, uh, <laughs> I, I've just told that I'm out of IPA and I need to get to work. Let <laughs> <laughs> me get back into it. Um, so the uh, the yeast is one of the things that will start consuming oxygen, and oxygen is one of the things that's going to cause us problems later on down the road. Okay. So one of the ways of doing that, and the way I chose with the harvest ale, was to um, not worry so much about flushing oxygen out of the bottle, um, but I'll make sure that I had a very active live yeast in every bottle. Because uh, that yeast will eat the oxygen in It'll there? eat the oxygen and then consume the bottling sugars. Okay. And it'll, it, will it eat the O2 first? Is that the, uh, or does it not matter? Well, the goal is that it does. It turns out in the bigger scheme of things, no, it doesn't. Okay. And if I wanted this beer to age for 10 or 15 years, okay. there's no way I could have gotten away with what I did. Okay. So, 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 so let's talk about this. There's a molecule that generally we classify in brewing as reduct tones. Okay. That means that they they have reducing ability. They can bind to oxygen. You know what's weird is that the first time you were on the show, this shit was all Greek to me, and I could just look at you like with a glazed over eye. And for some reason, now it all makes sense. Uh, go on, please. That isn't my skill. That's yours. So maybe so, you're more Greek so, than you thought. So, so reductones uh, are actually present in our beer, and there's a whole class of molecules. Okay. Every time one of those reductones gets used up by one of our oxygen molecules, it's out of the picture forever. Okay. Where there's nothing we can do to get it back. All right. So we don't want any of these reductones to get eaten up. That's why we were careful in hot side aeration. Yeah. That's why we're careful when we're bottling into our transferring into our bottling bucket. Okay. And it's again why we're careful why we want to cap onto foam when we go to cap our bottle. Okay. And I find it interesting that because uh, we're going to talk about two different ways to bottle here. I got John to help us out with the with the the counter pressure filling. I, I Hi, John. I'm really liking the part where you're saying that uh, this I think is the key here to just gravity uh, bottling is that if you are doing natural carbonation, which is adding corn sugar uh, uh, for, for for the yeast to to keep doing its work. That it's going to eat uh, all of the volatiles that we don't want in there, so you don't have to purge your bottles of oxygen. You still want to cap on foam, like you're saying, but we don't have to worry so much well, about the O2 because it's going to be eaten. Well, right. We, we've got a we've got another reducing source in there. We've got a living organism that's going to try to consume oxygen. Okay. Now, if we think about it. Um, uh, and I don't remember the exact number in my head. Um, it's in a book right behind me. But uh, it's something like 12, uh, no, six times more efficient for yeast to consume oxygen than it is to consume sugar. Okay. So it really wants to consume the oxygen. Sure. I mean, it's really trying hard because it's going to get a lot more ATP out of it. Okay. And ATP is, it, it is the fuel of life. It is the energy source of life. Okay. And so it wants to make as much ATP as it can. It can do that much more efficiently by consuming oxygen than it can by consuming uh, sugars. Okay. So it wants to do that first. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, d- definitely, if we're going to naturally carbonate, it's fine to not have to purge. We're, we're going to go ahead and take care of these things, and you're, and you're probably going to be in good shape. If you cap on foam, like Colin has said. And, and I, I would say, if I were, in my world, I would say that's good enough for a year. Okay, for a year's time. And after that, maybe we... Okay. we then we want to make some other changes. Yeah. Okay. And now I've got John here, because the other way to bottle is to have carbonated your beer already, which, right. which would mean that you keg your beer, and you've, right. you've carbonated it that way. And now we want to bottle it for competition, or to take with us, or anything else, and you can use a counter-pressure filler. Mm-hmm. And you, John, you're like the, the counter-pressure man, because uh, you force carbonate every beer you do i wait till they reach a point where they're perfect where they pour perfectly the equilibrium's perfect everything okay and then i will fill 
I do it by taste, really. Once I feel the carbonation level's right, then I'll go ahead and counter pressure fill. But okay. I'll wait two to three months until a beer I think is aged well, balanced, everything's dropped out, is clarified, okay. properly carbonated, then I'll bottle it. So it's a it's a perfectly drinkable yeah. beer first. Okay. But and, 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 and so you don't add any extra carbonation for bottling? No. I've never actually bumped it up, but if if you're in a hurry, I would say bump it up maybe a pound and a half, two pounds. Like for two days of pressure, just to get an overcarbonation, because you are going to lose some in counter pressure. Yeah, right. You do lose a little when you counter pressure. Yeah. Okay. And I have noticed that in my beers as they age for a year, year and a half, two years. Okay. They do pour a little bit flat. There's still carbonation, but they're not where, like if you pour a draft from Downtown Joe's, sure. You got head on it. You don't really have that. So if you're gonna if you're gonna bottle to go to the picnic next mm-hmm. Sunday, you don't have to worry about it. But no, if it's, it's gonna fine. sit around for a few months, overcarbonated by two pounds. Okay. Yeah. And you do that in the keg, you'll have turned it up a couple right. of pounds. Right. Okay. So what's the key here to a counter pressure filler? You have the same clean sterilizing. Okay. There, there's in counter pressure filling. There's a three way valve involved. You have gas going through one side. You have uh, beer going through the other. And you have an off, which is in the center. But you have no way of getting in there and cleaning. So you got to bake it. You got to 200 degrees, 300 degrees in the oven for 10 minutes. The actual filler sterilize. itself. Now, there's a difference between sanitizing and sterilizing. Yeah. Now, when we sterilize, everything's dead. Yeah. You know, sanitizing, you sanitize the outer surface, but that doesn't mean you're actually killing everything. And, and again, putting some water in there would, would help this process sure. a lot. Right. When so, you bake it, you mean? Because yeah. it'll uh, boil. Wet heat kills. Dry heat, steam. Dry heat keeps spores. Okay. Exactly. Steam, boiling water. Use that as a sterilizer. Okay. So, bake it, and then what I'll do after I bake it, I'll run powder brewery wash, a keg of it, you know, at a high pressure, 25, 30 pounds. So you get a lot of friction going through the lines. Are you talking about PBW? PBW in okay. the keg. I'm sur- I'm, I'll pretend I'm counter pressure bottle filling of an actual bottle with PBW. Okay. So that way it's now clean. And now afterwards, then I'll actually sanitize it with star sand. Now okay. it's actually sanitized. Okay. And then I'll go ahead and start kegging back. To I'm me. assuming there was a rinse cycle in there. I actually rinse with star sand. Oh, yeah. you really do. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. I don't do and, anything. And you don't have any slippery feeling on the on the parts at all. I do not. No. Oh, good, no. good, good. No. Okay. Yeah, but I, I do. Mean, I mean, it should work because star sand's an acid and PBW is a base. Right. So it should actually work as a rinse. But yeah, I, I like to rinse things. <laughs> I worry about rinsing after star sand because there's no need to. I, I mean, after PBW. Oh, P- PBW oh, right. is so slippery after right. you use it. Well, yeah, I guess if you're doing one bottle at a time, it's no big deal. But yeah, I mean. I don't know. I rinsed I myself know. twice this week, which is odd. I usually only do it once. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I'm good today. You're smelling good from Thank here. I so. appreciate that. Well so now you actually, so you have this, you, you've, you've baked it, yeah. you've PBW'd it, mm-hmm. or some other uh, sort of a, a powdered uh, cleaner, yeah. and then you've star sanded it, you've sanded. sanitized it. Now you're ready to use it right. to actually fill your bottles. Right. Uh, isn't there a, there's a, before you actually start putting liquid in, mm-hmm. You purge your bottle, is that right? Yeah, there's a three-way valve. You purge it with CO2 first, okay. you know, and that's at whatever level pressure you're at, which is just to say 12 pounds of pressure. And that's purge just it. to get all the oxygen out. Right. On the side of the on the counter pressure filler is a relief valve, and that that controls the, the actual fill rate, okay. and then it releases pressure at a certain amount of pressure. I mean, like, uh, if you're at 12 pounds, it's going to reach 12-pound pressure in that bottle, and you can actually either... Keep it in that bottle or let it escape through the relief valve. Okay. And you wait till that thing kind of vibrates and goes, you know, and then that that's that is when you know it's actually ready to fill. That's okay. the pressure relief valve vibrating. Right, right? exactly. Okay. And that, yeah. Yeah. Just, which is different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not the bottle getting ready to explode on you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nor is it your girlfriend having a good time in yeah. the room. It's yeah. a totally different thing. Don't, oh, yeah, wait for me, honey. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm almost done bottling. Yeah. So, okay. And here the key is, uh, like, if we're doing natural carbonation, like Colin was saying, you know, the yeast is going to take care of the O2. But in this case, we need to manually get the O2 out of there. And that's the beauty of a counterpressure Yeah, you got to right? purge the CO2. I mean. And it's also, it's a closed system in this case, right? Because you're going... It never sees air. It never sees... You go from the yeah. keg to the bottom of the bottle. Right. It fills from the bottom up. Right. And, and it's all clean and nice. And, and you swear by this because in, in all the competitions that you've won with your bottled beer, mm-hmm. you've uh, uh, counter-pressured every single one? Every single one, yeah. That's That's what yeah. you swear by it. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, now there's a dilemma, though. Okay. I've been talking to Mike McDowell, and he owns the counter-pressure bottle filler. He yeah. owns the beer gun. Which is just another form another of Another form, uh, but it's not filler. sealed. The beer gun's not sealed. You actually purge the bottle, okay. but it's still open to the environment of air, but you're still filling up with CO2, so it's not letting oxygen in. Yeah. And then you so fill you're up, reducing the oxygen level. You're reducing level. the oxygen level, but you're filling at a lower pressure. The thing with the beer gun, you got to overcarbonate almost two to three pounds because you're slow filling at about three to four pounds of pressure. Okay. But the thing about it, it's so easy to use. Yeah. It's just like what some professional breweries use. You know, you purge, fill. Instant. Yeah. It's really, really fast. Yeah. You know? But now Mike Mendel's getting to an idea where he'll actually purge with CO2 with like a CO2 injector or a racking cane hooked up to a CO2 tank. Okay. And then he'll take his beer line assembly, six feet in line, he'll chill his bottle, and he'll fill it sideways. A bit, and just sideways. That, two pounds that's of pressure. actually really a lot like what we did with the bottles. It is. And now, yeah. We, and, and he's winning with it. And so he's just doing the simple way. It costs him fifteen dollars, and all his beers carbonate. Sounds messy. It is messy. <laughs> it sounds you like know? you're spilling beer it's everywhere. Messy and or this laziness, or one of the three, two. I don't know. But they're synonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But all right. So fair enough. So that's a good way to, to the, the two ways to bottle yeah. and to really keep it clean. The key, the key here, I think, in in both methods, I think we can we can take away from this is one way or another that oxygen has to not be there, right. and obviously they have to be clean. We all know everything has to be sanitized. But well, you know, and capping on foam is one way to get the oxygen out. Okay. Um, purging you, purging the, three times with CO two is another method. Okay. And you cap on foam when you do the counter pressure too. Is that is that also a method? Ideally, yeah. You Ideally, want, it's right. Still, sure. in both methods, right. you still want the beer to foam out the top mm-hmm. and throw a cap right down on top of that. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I used to wonder why I'd get a Sierra Nevada or some other craft beer, and I'd crack it open, and there was this gunk all around it. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe it was rust, and I thought this, and I realized it's because uh, they're capping on foam as well. It's beer. It's beer that's in there. Well, it's dried up underneath the cap. It might be that, or it might be wild yeast spoilage occurring. Is that right? Yeah. If you get, if you ever open a beer and it doesn't taste right, and you see wild yeast at the top, yeah, or just yeast clusters. Well, they always tasted right. They oh, just, okay. If you okay. crack open a lot of craft beers, you'll see uh, right. what it looks like. It's dried beer. Oh, really? Because it's like, capping on foam. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most, I mean, if it tastes bad, then that's mm. something else. Right. Obviously, it's two different things. Okay. Everybody wants us to turn up as if they. All this geek talk is really going places yeah, here at uh, yeah. the audience at Downtown like, wow. Joe's. Do you see that yeah. line of girls out there? There, there are they lined up? I'm not allowed to look. I have to stay focused over here. To, they, uh, you want me to turn your microphone on, JP? Sure. There Does you. everyone else want you to turn my microphone? I can't hear because I'm trying to go to sleep and I need it louder so <laughs> I can fall asleep. So that you can sleep. That's, yeah. That's fair enough. Um, uh, this is an interesting question that came through from the chat room, John, and I think that you're an example of how uh, they don't do this, and I'm wondering how they would even know. The question is, when you enter a, co- a competition, do the judges dock you points 
for bottle conditioning. It's really, really small. It's like two or three points. Oh, so they do actually take a couple. So if you write down on your sheet how you did it, you, yeah. you did bottle conditioning? Well, they can tell by the yeast at the bottom. But I can't imagine docking somebody for bottle conditioning. That, that, that's chicken Or just shit. carbonation level in general. I mean, you guys, Yeah, if, if you have the right carbonation level and you bottle condition, I think you should get a point. It, if it comes through, you know, and, and, and they're pouring yeast in the bottles, then it's then it's the either the steward or the judges uh, being gloids. You know, I mean, you, you, if you're bottle conditioning and you write that down, and they they mess up to the point where it's not stored properly and it's cloudy or whatever, then it's their fault. And if they dock that's you right, points, that's the steward's job. If they dock you points, then then, then you contact the the person who officiated or who judged, and you email them and you you give them what for. I'm picturing yeah. right now JP at home writing his letter to the contest. I lost because it's your fault. My beer was perfect, but you, sir. Oh, I've done that. If you if you went on the more beer form after the last nationals, oh yeah, yeah. you're like, I, listen, yeah. that was the best beer in the world. It was yeah, pretty good. I've had four people want some more, and that means, <laughs> in fact, one person wants me to start a brewery. So that means that, that my beer should have won everything. I Even love categories the, I didn't enter in it. The most famous uh, homebrew quote: "But all of my friends really like that beer. <laughs> it's, it ha- I don't know why it didn't yeah. win. That's Not all, because it's uh, free or anything. Yeah, <laughs> they really like that." That be every one of my friends. This is a flashing red warning sign. If somebody tells me, "All oh, my friends really enjoyed it," ah, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite is I live I live in a tiny rural area, or I live on an I live in Guam. It's the best beer <laughs> around in fifty miles. Yeah, because the nearest town's two hundred miles from you. If you wouldn't say it about a girlfriend, then don't say it about a beer. You know. So all my friends really enjoyed this. That's you know? a, <laughs> that's a really good uh, philosophy to follow. If you wouldn't say it about your lady. <laughs> Don't say it about your beer. So I, I guess bitter is in every beer I drink. Yeah. <laughs> it ages really well. <laughs> this beer has legs. Uh, okay. It's a little rough around the edges, but it'll do. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Keep it going, boys. Keep it Move going. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you feel like crap in the morning, but it's a lot of fun tonight. <laughs> we haven't had a Friday show in a while, John. Give me a break. <laughs> go, 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 go. See what you do, Colin. Well, we woke up a couple people. We make up <laughs> one good quote, and uh, JP and I ruined it. Did the whole I really thing. drink that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so now we've gotten our beer into the bottle. Does that about cover the bottling process, or is there anything we missed on your, uh, on How your about notes? storage? There? Well, yeah, well, right now let's we've do got storage it in the bottle, after we yeah. keg. Let's talk about kegging first, getting it into both our vessels. Then we'll talk about storing either one of them. I have a bottling thing, real quick. What do you, Colin, what do you think about oxygen barrier bottle caps? Because I've heard that the membrane that they put on there doesn't, uh, you know, to, to make it oxygen absorbing, doesn't properly allow for a seal to hold for a long period of time. So actually, if you put oxygen absorbing caps on your bottles to store for a long period of time, you're, you're actually uh, giving it sort of a, a weak seal. You know, I, that's actually that? one I haven't heard, and I haven't done any research into it, so I can't really address it. I did uh, contact those uh, com- that particular company a lot, and they do make two oxygen barrier caps, one that they normally sell to, to normal breweries and one that they sell to people they think are incompetent, basically like, uh, like us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the idea was one had twice the amount of chemical. Here's really? what here's what the engineer of the cap was able to tell me, and that is, as soon as you get it wet, it scavenges oxygen. So if you try to sanitize that, its oxygen barrier ability is gone. 
So if you think that that bag you've got is sanitized enough for your beer, then you need to put it on top of the bottle and shit and turn the bottle upside down, and that gets it wet, and that's the moment it scavenges the oxygen. So it scavenges in a split second. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, within within a few minutes. So before you can get it on your bottle. Colin, you're the scientist here. Explain to me how does a chemical reaction occur in an oxygen-absorbing cap? What actually happens in that seal versus a normal overrun bottle They, they don't tell you what chemical they add to that. They add a chemical that, that wants to reduce. It wants to take oxygen. Okay. And that, and that, I mean, that is the that chemical seal. definition of reduction okay. is either give up a hydrogen or pull in an oxygen. Interesting. Okay. I am I, yeah, They don't tell you which chemical it is. Yeah. You might be able to look at their patent number and find out. Oh, okay. I'll do that tomorrow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I got nothing to do tomorrow, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look up patent numbers. Yeah, why not? Listen to John. Uh, listen, I had a long day planned of uh, hanging out and watching TV tomorrow. I think I'll add to the list uh, looking up patent numbers. Uh, when I was at Beer, Beer, More Beer, I had to read more than a thousand patents. Did you really? In, in order to reverse engineer products. No wonder Underline you quit. Had what a miserable to. job. <laughs> I think, uh, listen, guys, uh, Colin, we need you to go ahead and look up patents all day and read them back to us. At, at the time, I was paying $2 a piece, so it was a significant investment. Is that right? Uh, but, I mean, honestly, out of all the uh, the retards that work at Beer Beer Morber, who would more enjoy that than Colin? None. Nobody. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Actually, that was probably your best job. Don't I, lie. I, I, did, I did create the position yeah. Yeah, to do whatever You know, I guys, I yeah. really kind of, you know, what do I like doing? I like pulling up pictures of Mars. Um, I like talking yeah. about my motorcycle with my dog on the back, and I yeah. like looking at patents. How do I make this into a job? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Nolan said, we've got the job for you. Yeah. <laughs> Call Colin. me gullible, but... Colin comes in in the morning and uh, Olin says, "Listen, Colin, uh, you know it's it's a lot of work and it's uh, pretty extensive. We're going to need you to go ahead and read patents all day." And Colin, unlike everybody else in at B three, went, "Really?" He had to sit down for a little bit. That's awesome. Are you serious? No, Olin, Olin's actually. The, here's how it really did happen. Olin came up to me and said, "Well, you know, w- what do we have to do to patent this?" And I said, "Well, we need to do a patent search." And uh, he said, well, what's a patent search involved? And it says, well, you look up all the patents that have to do with this. And he says, well, it's what's it going to cost me for a patent search? And I gave him a dollar figure. You know, it's, it's, it can be anywhere from 800 to $3,000. Wow. And, and he said, well, how about if I pay you to look up all the patents? I wow. said, I, I'm game. See, you're really honest because if Olin came up to me and Olin's said, what really does this involve? I would have said, well, uh, first I'm going to have to go to the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, there's there's several there's a lot of gambling involved and several other things that have nothing to do with the job. We're going to have to take a quick break here, uh, mostly because i got to use the, you know, and you gotta drink too. the boys' room. Uh, We're going to okay. shove right. the beer. Right, hey, what was that last beer we had, by the way? We're drinking Sean Paxton's, uh, Very the, nice. the homebrew chef's homebrew. And uh, he didn't even bring us his good stuff. He, he brought us his yeast starter to drink. He's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm not going to give you yeah. my good stuff. This is my uh, extras. I brought you my yeast starter. Here's a slurry toast for you. Yeah. Amazingly, his yeast starter, uh, or maybe not so amazingly, his yeast starter is better than every, any, any beer I ever brewed. Except for the one that's in the carpet. There you go. I'm sure yeah. it was an amazing beer. we got to take a break. Redefines carpet munching. Real quick break. When we come back, we're going to move on to kegging, and then we'll talk about how to age your beer and the best ways to do it. You're listening to the Brewing Network live from downtown Joe's. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
trying to wrap things up here at Downtown Joe's. We've got one last segment for you folks, and we're going to cover kegging and then how to condition your beer. All in one segment. i got a few questions in front of me. Before we get to it, I do want to give an honorable mention because I just made fun of uh, Paxton's beer, and then he gave me his uh, Roquefort clone that you guys all have in front of you here. Did you, John, did you try that too? I didn't. This yet. one? It's really awesome. It's it's, an, it's really an amazing beer. It's What's have you tried Roquefort? it yet? Uh, it's a uh, 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 sure, yeah, oh. that one, yeah, that too. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that, now I understand. Yeah, now we get it. I didn't. I had to hear from JP to understand uh, which one it was. Don't uh, be a translator. JP. But it's really a, it's a for one it's a really close clone, and two it's just awesome homebrew. It's re- it's complex. It's got a lot of. Uh, well, it's got a lot of stuff going on in there. I don't even Jack, know where to save begin. It for the after party, it's buddy. good beer. It's good Sean, beer. what did you age this in? Crazy Jack is, is molesting uh, John's girlfriend. Asian men and women, then. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> Sorry, I just interrupted. Uh, th- what did he say about uh, aging? He, he said it was aged in glass. I was wondering if it had been aged in an oak. Oh, right. Did you do something to it to get oak flavor, or did it just maybe it was an oak glass? There's no oak in there, Colin. You're dumb. No, actually, what I what I do pick up though is a little oxygen, and that's why I was wondering. If oh, is that right? It's, it's a year old. Yeah, it's one year old. Okay, it's really it's a great beer. Uh, I, is it a secret recipe? Can you put that up on the forum for us? This recipe, you'll only give it to me. Is that is that? Is that <laughs> I don't got to like give you. A, you have to grab your ankles. I don't have to like touch you with my hand or anything, do I? <laughs> Only with a sock over it. Uh, it looks like it's 12 o'clock again. I, I, you know, I guess I'm driving. I can't participate this time. Someone's no, going to have to do my 12. 12 o'clock to me looks like a DUI late in about an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 12 o'clock is... Uh, 12 is how many times I'm going to have to go to court between now and... Uh, Colin, what is this 12 o'clock deal about? Because it's 7.34 right now. No, but well, it's 12 o'clock somewhere. The, the yeah. sun's above the ground, right about somewhere. in the middle of the sky, somewhere on the like earth. I go it's 7.30, <laughs> but it's 12 somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you, she still doesn't well, get it. Well, 12 o'clock noon is really when the sun is at the middle of the sky. Yeah. I'm just wondering... The highest point. Yeah. I'm and there's always a place on earth... That that's where the sun Some, is. Somewhere the sun is high enough that it's new. That's awesome. It is so, awesome. You know, it, it, you know it's, a, it's a terrible thing, but we have to drink at noon. It's good noon is what it is. It's Colin, I, I told somebody this story this week about you kind of as a boss and things like that and what we do here at Downtown Joe's. And everybody I told uh, was like, shit, we're, give me an application to go work at Downtown Joe's. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Jones. does the hiring. He's standing right in front of the stage now. <laughs> and he's about to uh, join in. Okay, so it's the official Downtown Joe's noon toast. Because it's noon somewhere. Good noon. Good noon, everybody. Thank you. And, uh, Roast. They have to all cheer each other uh, as JP. normal and, uh, and Daniela. glass. Let's do the German toasting, right. John. <laughs> Justin. JP. German Colin. toasting, you have to not only Colin. look in the eye, but call out the name John. of the person you're Say looking at. Say my name. Hi, right. JP. <laughs> so they're all going to have a drink. And as they're doing that, I'm getting some questions prepped in front of me that have come through from the chat room. You two can still join us in the chat. We've got about, uh, oh, I like to say 40 minutes, which probably turned into an hour and a half. How does Chad feel about being joined inside? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's in the chat room there. <laughs> Sorry. And then we're going to finish up kegging and then how to uh, go ahead and age your beer. Before we move on to kegging, a good question that came through uh, the chat room uh, when we were talking about purging our bottles with CO2. Somebody says, you know, does the CO2 really stay in the bottle? Wouldn't it just come right out? And this is a good question until you realize that CO2 is heaviest, right? It's heavier than O2. Is that why it stays in the bottle? Well, no, we actually hope that the seal isn't permeable to CO2. 
Uh, not the ones it's sealed, but when you just purge. So oh. you purge with CO2, right? And doesn't it sit inside the bottle? Well, you know, that's the big myth. But no, oh, it I see. It doesn't. All, no, all you're doing is diluting the oxygen. Okay. You're not actually removing it. So it will go ahead. The CO2 it'll, will it'll come out. It'll dilute it. But it does. Okay, so yeah, it does you, dilute it. You're really just diluting the see, oxygen. See, I thought it was heavier because you could, like, you can see it. Well, it turns out if you start doing the math on that whole little little uh, problem, um, that it isn't enough heavier to make a big difference. Okay. And if you really want heavier, you need argon or or a heavier gas like that. Isn't um, argon the hero in um, Lord of the Rings? Uh, extra A. <laughs> I thought that was the same guy. But unlike Lord of the Rings, argon isn't gay. <laughs> yes. I thought they were the same. Okay, person. so you know, here's a, a side note: a, a great drinking game to play. Oh, every I'm time listening. they say the ring, you have to drink. Oh, in and the movie? Know, in the movie. You have to watch the whole trilogy. Yeah. And every time they say oh, the cow. ring, you have to drink. So for, for nine hours, every time they say the ring, you have to drink. I'd rather chug and then vomit and pass out. My and, favorite. And, and I'm if, in. And I'm ready. you get bored with that, uh, every time uh, Aragon has a line, you say, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> you Mr. Anderson. My favorite visual drinking game is 24 when everyone, every time Jack says, damn it. That's a good drinking game. You are such Damn a it! Wait, this is a bad lead! And then you chug. You are as feminine uh, a male as I've ever met in my life. You know, I could do wonders for your curly hair. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, I mean, that, I don't even know what that means. Whoa. You guys are starting to make Daniela hot here. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, no. <laughs> no matter what they yeah. do, it's not going to happen. Did you have to look deep into my eyes when you said that? Yes, I Man. did. All right. Okay, uh, so other questions I have. Uh, uh, here's a kind of a random question, and, and might lead us into kegging too. Uh, this person says that last night he tried to force carbonate his beer, pump the psi up to thirty degrees. Thirty degrees of psi, huh? Good man. Thirty degrees of psi. But then he put it outside for six hours, where it was ten degrees outside, and he yes. thinks that he got some ice action going on that it actually kind of slushied Perfect. in there. Yeah. Uh, so now he actually he wants to know if it's going to affect his beer, and if so, how? Sure. Um, well, if you take the ice out, you, you're ice gonna, box. Yeah, you're gonna have this nice little concentrated beer. What if he lets it melt back into solution and he leaves that beer alone? Will it actually affect the flavor? I don't think so. No. Really? Because it's still the same thing, isn't it? It just got cold. And the carbon dioxide will move into the water that was frozen when he was carbonating. Plus, I know you've all put a beer in the freezer to get it cold real fast, and you forgot about it, and it froze, and then you you took it out and you put it back in the fridge and you drank it and it was fine. It was it. It was fine, if as long as the top didn't burst. That is, which I've done several. That's times. been my experience too. But I have people that have argued this point with me. Oh, really? That it what? That it yeah. tasted different? Yeah. Mine was always fine. I was happy with it. Some people think George Bush is responsible for global warming, but they're wrong too. <laughs> so back to uh, frozen beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, here's what we want to do. We want to transition over to now kegging our beer because we've talked about how to bottle it properly. Well, I, I, you know, I got a question which which sort of is uh, related to all of this uh, from the audience, and that is, how do you know if you've uh, exposed your beer to oxygen? You know, when when my judge opens that beer, or, yeah, or when I open that beer, how am I supposed to tell? A great question. And, and what is the telltale sign? Well, there's there's two. The the first is the wet paper bag, and and everybody describes it as drinking a beer out of a wet paper bag on a cold morning, yeah. in the parking lot of Seven Eleven, uh, which we've all done. <laughs> Let's face waiting it. in line for that welfare check. <laughs> yeah. and and that's what True. you know how people. What what is that chemical, JP? We tasted it together. Transneon all nine. Was that one, the one? 
Uh, I think it was Trans Zetal Hall 12, but I'm, I could be off on my Zetal Halls. <laughs> you and I did that flavor training together. That's right. Actually. I forget. Yeah. Okay. I forget what chemical it is. Okay. Uh, in any case, uh, um, the other one, and uh, uh, is the one that I, I found in in Sean's excellent beer here, is Sherry, which which can be a desired quality. Yeah, like in, in, in a beer, beer like this, yeah. right? Or or it can be a detriment if it's a lighter beer like uh, like a Budweiser or whatever. Okay. Um, and those are the two flavors that I look for when I'm trying to decide if I oxygenated beer. Okay, so they can cause. Blo- See, that's inter- I've uh, I've gotten the that sort of cardboardy paper bag flavor a lot, but not, I, I don't know if I would have picked out the sherry right away, and I certainly wouldn't have attributed it to oxygen. I would have thought, oh, what did they put in this beer to give me that sherry flavor? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, oxygen is the is the cause of it, and, okay. and usually it's really slow additions of oxygen. Okay, I, I think the sherry uh, part is harder to pick up for a lot of people too, because you can you can probably mis uh, mistake it for malty notes. I think too, to well, some degree. First right. beer I ever brewed was extremely sherry contaminated, so that makes me really ultra sensitive to it. Does anybody else wish that I had "Oh Sherry" by Journey to play as we were <laughs> in the background as we were having this conversation? Oh, well, I'll sing it for you. Yeah, because I'm feeling like I've missed it, a good opportunity here to to play "Oh Sherry" because there's not a lot of opportunities you get to play "Oh Sherry." Let's do it. And where we've all missed it. Where you know, it's for appropriate. The last Thirty years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so why don't we talk about uh, a kegging beer now? A lot of okay. us, a lot of us also keg beer, and uh, we need to uh, not only p- uh, prepare the keg, but then properly p- put the beer into the keg. So let's talk about preparing the keg first, just like we did the bottles. Um, is you said that there's a method of this this crazy baking nonsense that you talk about? Yeah, um, actually, and it's one of my favorite ways to prepare kegs. I use kegs to introduce findings. Okay, and uh, so that's really important to me. Um, so when I'm sanitizing the keg, if I want to make sure it's sanitized, I fill the thing with 200-degree water and pump it out through the fittings. That doesn't mean you're cleaning the pot, You know what? Though. You it means I'm sanitizing it. it. Well, you well gotta, you, you that's assuming a, I have a clean keg. This is just assume, a sanitizing okay. process. But you got if, if it's a keg you reuse a lot, you got to take it apart, though. Yeah, you have to take it apart every time. You got you know, the pop it, the nipple part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to take it apart every time. See, I got all That's excited because I thought you didn't have to. Because I did the same thing that you do, Colin, and I never take my kegs apart because you know that's an extra step. Well, you can do that with a Sankey keg. You can't do that with a Cornelius keg. Uh, see, and all I have is corny kegs. And here's what I do: I run PBW through the whole system, and then I run uh, Star Sand through the whole system. But I never take them apart. I never take the two tops apart. And you guys are saying I need to be taking those things apart. That's okay, but you have to have a high pressure PBW going through everything. Okay, got to be Mike. Mike Medulla in, invented this. You have a submersible pump, and you hook it up to all these fit, the, both fittings, the gas, and then you just keep recycling the PBW for a half hour. But you're you're creating friction, which goes in through that poppet, and everything's cleaned out from that. Yeah, you, and has he has he actually disassembled the poppets to he, verify they're clean? No. And he's, he has anti-contamination issues. Well, then, you don't then, know, then it's anecdotal evidence. Yeah. yeah, it is. You know, what we really need to do, if we wanted to do that, is take one of the poppets, drop it in some wort, and force test it. Oh, just it, let it ferment. If, 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 yeah, if we could force test it, then, then it would That's a great survive. way. Great like, make like a starter, and what you want to test if your ball valve's clean, make a little starter and put your ball valve in there. That's, well, that's, no, no. That's good. Don't make no? a starter. Don't just make, make a starter. wort. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, make don't a starter for the wort, but don't put yeah. in the yeast. Right, 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 right. But that, that's a uh, anything you want to test. You're a smart man. Yeah, anything you want to test. Thank you. I'm gonna tell Mike McDowell you called him anecdotal. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be too happy. It about simply that. as evidence. Yeah. Mike McDowell makes some of the best beers I've ever had. He does. So. And he Mike really does. 
John told me once that he doesn't even he just doesn't even sanitize his keg. You just throw shit in him. He doesn't care. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> he did. He said, "Guys, like I went to Mike McDowell's and he didn't do anything. He just threw a bunch of beer in there and he no, served he, he, it. He, he carries his work down after he boils with open five gallon buckets. Does he down the stairs and he just pours it right on top of his slurry and his conical? No kidding. He goes it to air for like fifteen seconds at least. It's good beer. But you know okay, what? So that, no, that's no, probably no. his. So that's probably his house flavor. That's but, probably where he gets his but house let's, flavor. Yeah. That bubble gum flavor. Let's talk about our protection, though, Booyah. that we've got. We can actually do that to a limited extent. And you don't want to preach it to homebrewers um, because every homebrewer, you know, uh, can make the, a mistake. But we've got a lot of protections. We're pitching a hugely healthy yeast slurry. We're pitching millions of cells. So they're going to suppress the wild they're, shit. Yeah, they're going to outcompete the wild right. stuff. So, you know, you don't have to be as, as completely meticulous as as everybody wants you to be. Um, but you need to strive. You need to keep heading towards that direction. Right. Because at some point, what you can possibly achieve and what you need to do match. And then you're making good beer. And... Well, it, it, it's 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 just um, reinforcing the proper way to do things. Like you, you know, you might exactly. not need. Uh, I can't think of a good analogy, but I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you it's, it's it's reinforcing thing, and it, it's it's not the, that it will happen. It's a possibility, no matter how minute. Yeah. It's still a possibility. So right. like people who you know, there's there's a, Jamil knows a guy who, when he cools his wort, he pitches and ferments in his boil kettle. You don't want to do that, but and he goes, well, he makes some good beer. Yeah, but at the same time, you can also introduce some problems. Exactly. And, and, and really, what I'd worry about in that regard is lactic acid bacteria being able to eat the true. Now, that's what I'd personally worry about. And when that guy told me that was his process, that's what I'd be tasting for. I might not find it in one ten or a hundred batches, but I bet you in a thousand batches I'll find it. All right, uh, here's a, here's the deal, guys, because we're actually on a timer now. We have 38 minutes to finish this discussion before my computer dies. And I can plug it in, but then it sounds all staticky to the users at home. See, this is like so. an episode of 24. You got 38 minutes to find the bomb. Yes. <laughs> That's, thank you. Uh, J- we have 38 minutes to find JP's vagina. <laughs> Found. Yeah. Done. Show's over. All right. So here we go. Hi, how you doing? Uh, let's, let's move on to, to kegging and properly preparing these kegs. Uh, uh, how to, is Rosie to, anyway? To put beer into them. <laughs> <laughs> My fault. It's a family restaurant, and I take it back, which makes it okay. You can say anything you want as long as you take it back, by the way. So we got to take our beer, and we got to put it in these kegs. So uh, we need to clean them. Okay, and just like the bottle, yeah. we need to clean it. Yeah. And and as you know, you guys have reminded me, uh, with, a, with a Cornelius keg, you need to disassemble it in order to get it properly clean. Okay. There is no way to see all of the pieces without disassembling a Cornelius keg. Okay. Um, if you have a Sankey keg, they're actually designed to be cleaned. Uh, through just uh, through CRP, running? Upside okay. down, yeah. They're, it's clean in place. Okay. Ah, see, that's good to know, actually. And I have a couple of Sanky kegs, but how the heck do you fill a Sanky keg as a home brewer? Same is it the same way? As a, yeah, that's actually really system? easy. Okay. Yeah, I'll bring you back in the aging cellar. We can fill Show a keg tonight. Yeah. Let's go right now. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll see you later, everybody. We're going to go, uh, we're going no, to the no, aging it's, cellar. It's, it's, it's actually really easy. Okay. You, you make a keg filler. 
that basically has beer going in the the down tube, the product side, and air going and out. and air coming off the okay. other side with a bleed screw. Okay. So you can adjust how fast it fills. Okay. Because if you fill it too fast, it foams. Okay. Now, whether we're using a Sankey or, or a Cornelius, assuming we've got everything clean like we're supposed to, is the best way to do it to be in a closed system, whether it's one or the other. I mean, because I don't here, and let me tell you, well, what I don't I think you. Uh, I, I just open the top and put a tube in, and I cover it with Saran wrap, right, so stuff doesn't fall in. But it's not a closed system. I don't have an issue with that. Really, I really don't. If okay. I if I was transferring out a glass, yeah. that's how I'd do it. You would do okay. before I would risk pressurizing a glass vessel, which would be the other way to do it. Oh, and that's how you'd have to do it. You'd in have order to push, to push CO two into the ah, glass. Ah, right. Vessel. Okay. Before I took that risk, I'd just rack it off. Okay. Okay. I, I think racking's just fine. I, I you know I've had a huge amount of success with success with it as a home brewer. Yeah. And I've tasted you know literally hundreds of brews yeah. that have been racked by hand. Okay. And you know what. What's what you leave is more important than the problems you cause. Okay, so, so this is not what we're worried about. But we do want to do things like covering the space with a saran wrap or or foil or something. Like we, if I mean, it makes you happier, yeah, really, because like, closer to the goal. Because you could just leave that thing wide open with a hose going in there and fill it that way. You can really, and yeah, you'd, yeah. and you'd be comfortable with that as a brewer. Um, depending on where I was. Okay. Okay. So if I was in the middle, if I was in the middle of a grape field, no, I wouldn't be comfortable. But your kitchen's pretty bad too. Um, yeah, in my kitchen, yeah, I don't think I'd be comfortable. Okay, yeah, I um, either, <laughs> by the way. Um, in uh, my aging cellar, I'm comfortable as long as I've got the refrigeration turned off. So there's no air moving around like that. Okay, yeah. and you know, I don't have to do it often, but I would. Okay. Uh, any other tips then? Because if we don't have to do a closed system, as long as we're nice and clean, it's a pretty straightforward process. Just get it in there. Well, as okay. So here's possible. some here's some really important <laughs> things to think about. Are you going to start dry hopping? Then you want to shorten your dip tube because, you know, your dip tube's too long. I've been told that. <laughs> yeah. By midgets. <laughs> yeah. By a really small person. Yeah. Daniela's yeah. really laughing. Yeah. Really. Uh, she wa- it was a... It was liars, a, liars. She just has a big keg. Liars. What yeah. do you think of that? Maybe yeah. your keg's yeah. too big. Maybe your and keg is too large. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're a tall person, so that should be in perspective, too, shouldn't it? I th- I'm going to stick with JP. And listen, maybe my dip tube's just fine. Well, maybe yeah. you should get married to JP, then. <laughs> Just fine. It's, uh, we'll have to move to Hawaii, JP. That's true. Aloha, oi. Please continue before all the listeners just turn off, Colin. <laughs> they already turned off. Yeah. Um, so I, I really am a big, strong promoter, actually, of, of shortening your dip tube. Okay. It allows you to leave sediment at the bottom. You know, you're going to lose that last pint of beer. Do you then I'm serve sorry. out of that tank? Or, or I, Sure, why not? You would. Okay. Okay. Why not? You know, you can leave hops at the bottom. You right. can leave all sorts of things. All you need is one inch of space. Okay. You so know. just shorten it by an inch. Yeah, Tell shorten me it by an inch. Okay. All right. Good to know. And and you could probably, you know, so you should have a few different kegs at home. I mean, you should have your dry hopping keg and your normal serving keg, you know, because your normal serving keg might not have the inch cut off the bottom. And, and so what do you gain out of that keg? Well, one pint. Colin, come down here. Tell me, I shortened my dip tube on your recommendation. You owe me a pint, and, and I'll you'll buy give me you a pint. pint. Yeah. All right, then I'm in because I'm telling <laughs> you that pint to me yeah. is important. I mean, when it's two a.m. and I need one more, I'm telling you, man. If I run out, I'm going to be pissed, Colin. In fact, I'm calling your. I'm calling you at two a.m. I he'll leave be my up. cell phone by the bed. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll probably be up at that point. Yeah, that's making like a hologram of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Here's a hologram of me making a hologram. Yeah. 
Yes. Here's a hologram of a beer. Right There's a very it. famous hologram of that, actually. A, a lab assistant making oh. a hologram. Oh, Jesus. What is it's wrong actually with really this famous. Yet? You can go out and buy it. Oh, good. That's the next thing I'll do. <laughs> go. Yeah. While John's looking up patents tomorrow, you can look for the uh, hologram of a hologram. Yeah. Go to Innograph.com. <laughs> All right, so that's one good tip for dry hopping beers. You're going to go ahead and cut off an inch from your dip tube. Well, you know what? Even though, even if you're just settling yeast out or settling anything else out, you know, we don't. Pepsi needed to go all the way to the bottom because it saved them billions of gallons a year. Yeah. As a home brewer, we don't need to go all the way to the bottom. So, and those things that we're leaving at the bottom are just fine. It's like having a bris for your keg. Uh, that's right. Yes. yes. Circumcise all your kegs. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. Basically, to say. what we're talking about. Pepsi likes to bottom out. Other guys don't. All right. Trying to think of a couple of a couple of questions that came through and where they fit in. Someone's in upstate New York where it's very cold right now. They're getting Sucks like to be eight you. feet of snow at this very moment. Nice. All at once. Uh, says Can I bring my snowboard? Kegs for the first time and. Um, Started carbonating at room temperature for three days at 15 PSI. Didn't do anything. Why? Because it's too warm. Is that what you're saying? He says he crashed it. uh, He then crashed it in an ice bath today, which was, you know, probably his back patio. Yeah. He says the carbonation's too... Low? Low. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Because uh, because carbonating warm doesn't really do you anything. Yep. The colder it is, the more the CO2 will be absorbed by the burr. Okay, so so there's a chart that every brewer's got to study when they're learning to brew. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether you're a home brewer or a professional brewer. you got to look at this chart once in your career. And basically what it does is it correlates what pressure and what temperature it's at to what carbonation level you are. And this chart um, um, will give you the idea. And basically at 70 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, I'd expect to have to be somewhere at 45 PSI, just as a rough guess out of, out of the top of my head. Okay. Um, which nobody wants to take a, a homebrew keg to. Um, if, you're, if you're really in a hurry... The the best way to carbonate a Cornelius keg is to to leave a couple of pints of headspace in it, and to put it on about twenty twenty five psi at thirty degrees or thirty two degrees or however cold you can get it, and rock it on your knee back and forth in a, in a swaying motion, just like you know the Titanic sinking. Mm-hmm. You do that for about two minutes. And your beer is fully carbonated. Okay. I mean, literally, you can carbonate a, a keg in two minutes. Yeah. By rocking it on your knee. I do that uh, when I'm not, uh, you know, putting it to 30 pounds for two days. That's what I do. <laughs> I never wait the seven days that it takes at 12. Yeah. Pounds. Well, that's why your beer doesn't. Taste okay. Good. So I never do so, either. There's and a lot I, of other like reasons so, that my so beer doesn't. Until taste like a good. month. That's why Doc always says, well, "Don't serve. Just leave it alone. Don't touch it yeah. because it's aging. That's ridiculous. Well, but it is. You no, that it's, it's true. Yeah. It's it's true. Aging is good. Yeah. And but you can carbonate. Real quick by shaking it on your. I'll, I'll buy you a bottle of well vodka, and you can you can you know drink, drink that while you're waiting. No, it's not the same. I still enjoy the beer, even if it's not as good as it can be. I don't drink liquor. That's fine. I drink bad beer. I don't drink liquor. There's a difference. Uh, okay, a couple of questions that came through. Uh, people want to know uh, a method of uh, filling a keg. Here, guy wants to know how about purging the keg three times. I don't know why three. Uh, but uh, three is the magic number, actually, about it? this, and I'll talk about that. It's the Holy Trilogy. Yes. yes. Trinity, even. No. Uh, uh, th- uh, purging it three times before filling the keg through the out socket, which, uh, and never opening the keg. 
Um, so I guess he's assuming yes. so it goes down the dip tube and, and, and doesn't And he's splash absolutely and, right. This is okay. a great a great way to fill a cake. Okay. Okay, so you never want to fill through the yin because it drops um, and it, it, it falls in. Okay. You want to fill through the bottom so it doesn't splash. So it fills from the right. bottom So up. you want to fill from the bottom. Okay. So purging three times is a age-old brewer's recipe. And how we came up with this recipe is the first time you fill a, keg, uh, a tank or a keg and you vent it, you've reduced the oxygen by a certain amount. Okay. Then you fill it again like, and you vent it. Oh, I see. And twenty three percent or something. Right? Uh, I see. And then you fill it again, and the third time they decide there's not enough oxygen to be left. Okay. However, people like Jamil and what I would recommend to every home brewer is to fill this keg with water first, or sanitizer, which is what I used to use. I fill it with star sand. Purge it with CO2. Yeah. yeah. At that point, a hundred percent of the oxygen is gone because when you purged it with water. You purged all that oxygen. Sure, you don't have yep. to use all up use up all that CO two. I can't do that here because I can't fill a two hundred and eighteen gallon tank yeah, it's uh, a with lot water. Of water. It's a waste. And, yeah. Well, it's a waste of CO two too. Yeah, and so it's expensive here. So I do the triple purge method here. Okay, but as a home brewer, yeah, fill it with water, push it out with CO two. Okay, our stage is falling apart on top of JP's head. By the way, <laughs> it's true. It's not the first time. Well. Uh, <laughs> Okay, here's another question. Duct tape, duct tape sticks to his head. Really First of all, I want to quell the rush of people that are coming up to try to help the, the situation. <laughs> uh, but that's including our tech. <laughs> but that, that's what I do is is uh, is, is I'll, I'll have my keg like two and a half gallons. You know, I'll turn it upside down and back and forth because you know star sand is foamy and, and it, it's sanitizing, whatever. And then I'll I'll charge it and then I'll drain it into my next keg and I'll leave that one empty. You know what I mean, and so that's that's exactly what I do, and it, and it works. Really and well. actually, I had to I had to sanitize a whole series of kegs. In fact, I think I was uh, I think I was doing a three and a half barrel brew into five gallon kegs. Okay. And uh, what I literally did was I filled one one corny with five with uh, uh, five gallons of sanitizer, and I daisy changed every tank together and vented the last one, which ah. which had to take the sanitizer through every single one. Yeah. Uh, before it, before it vented. And I was able to sanitize all the kegs with just five gallons of sanitizer. Ah, very nice. And, uh, very conservative, which I like. Yeah, right. Well, the resources. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it's expensive with CO2, but it was cheap with Sarge. Cheap with Sarge. Okay. All right, uh, moving on a bit to conditioning, because I have a question coming through here. Um, does oh. beer in a keg condition? This, this is a good question. I've wondered this myself. Whether it's carbonated or not. And the reason they're asking, this person says sometimes they'll keg their beer and then just lager it, uh, you know, for a, a few weeks, a month, whatever, before they ever actually carbonate that beer. Um, so you see what I mean? Do we need to carbonate it instantly or can we wait and it doesn't make a difference? Okay, so uh, this is a big issue I've, I've, I've been debating with another brewer. Okay. So it's a really important question. Who's the other question. brewer? Do you want to tell us? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Brian at Moonlight Brewing. Okay. And uh, it's, a, it's a really big question. He really believes that you get 21 days of aging in and then you carbonate it. So you don't and, carbonate and, to begin. Okay. And, and his argument is that the, the more carbonation you have in there, the more energy you've stored in the keg, the more Brownian motion you have in the molecules. That's all the molecules bouncing into each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's slowing down your conditioning product, uh, process. Because what you really want during conditioning is everything to be stuck still. together still and fall to the bottom. Okay. And any Brownian motion is slowing that process down. Yeah. Now, I've done A and B studies where I've carbonated right after transfer out of the fermenter and, and, right, uh, uh, and waiting until I serve 21 days later. 
Um, I can't tell the difference. Okay. Now, does that mean there's no difference? No. no. The theory all supports Brian's uh, standpoint. Um, in practice, I haven't noticed a difference, and I tend to leave everything carbonated just in case I'm, I'm a space cadet and yeah. I run out of something. And you then serve it. And, and then I've got something ready, carbonated, ready to go. Yeah. So I like to have it ready to go before it ages. Okay. Yeah, see, I have always wondered that, of whether or not you have to condi- you know, carbonate it right away. The theory says it should be better to uh, carbonate the last possible moment. Okay. I always carbonate uh, as soon as possible because if I if I put some headspace on it, you know, some head pressure, and then I leave it alone, um, the beer absorbs it. Then I think that maybe there's a leak because then I'll go and it's accepting a bunch of CO two, and then I always panic. So I just carbonate right away. You know how you know pressure. if there's a leak? You get this really huge black spot in your yeah. carpet. Yeah, <laughs> is that true? It's like six and foot your by girlfriend's six screaming foot. at you. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a big. You can tell. Yeah, you don't got to worry about it. You can tell. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I'll have just, to buy carpet now. Just let you know. Yeah, you'll know, man. Thank you. Wading through it, everything yeah. else. Okay, so and, and one of the things that the CO two chart tells us, if we have a tank that's aged and it's been sitting there in equilibrium for, you know, for a five gallon keg a week. Okay. Um, for one of my tanks, maybe a month. Um, if I just measure the head pressure, I can tell you and and know the temperature of the tank. I can tell you exactly w- what the CO two volume is in solution. So if I was trying to carbonate this beer to two volumes of CO2 or 2.2 volumes of CO2, yeah. I can tell you exactly by what the head pressure is a month later. Okay. All right. So fair enough. Uh, lastly, let's make sure that we cover um, all of the conditioning things, and you have about uh, 12 minutes to, to wrap all this up. So uh, not only uh, how, how we uh, carbonate these things, uh, someone wants to know real quick before we uh, cover the basics of conditioning, will beer last longer if you have keg lines with balanced versus uh, balanced lines versus having to vent every time and i don't understand that question if there's some sort of line that vents it last longer so they want to know keg lines balanced versus having to vent every time i think they mean like uh some people carbonate at 30 psi and then they drop it down to like 10 and uh, for some people, it makes it foamy. So maybe that's what it is. Or, or if they have no. an unbalanced line where they have too big of a line, like a quarter-inch line, yeah. and only like five feet of it, then it's going to be really foamy coming out of the keg. So then they vent the keg to uh, reduce yes. the head pressure yeah, and the CO2. And so then it comes out a little flatter. That only works if you're serving within about six hours. Okay. Yeah. You you can do that. You can take all the pressure off the top of a keg. Well, I think that's but what you they're pretty much about, have yeah. about six hours. I, mean, I the question's cryptic to me. I'm not quite sure what he's asking. Okay. I, I really do think he was trying to ask an important question. I, I just don't understand it. And I just want to say if it's cryptic to Colin yeah. <laughs> You fucked up. So I think whoever asked that should email Colin at Colin at I'm from space. <laughs> no, no, no. That would be <laughs> dot org. No, no, really, that would be Colin at downtownjoes.com and you really can email me. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other one, of course, is Colin at IInventedSpace.com. <laughs> hey, I, I invented the Internet. You did. I'm just trying to say that. See, because I thought I invented the Internet. See, I invented invention. So <laughs> what do you think of that? All right. Why don't we go ahead and cover the basics now? We've we've got our beer into kegs. We've got it into bottles. How are we going to keep it properly? I, I think that uh, it, it depends on the beer. Some people say you want to keep it cold. And other beers you want to keep in the closet, but dark and kind of uh, uh, 68 degrees. I like JP. Uh, dark and in the closet. What are the keys here? Give us a rundown on the basics of keeping.
keeping our beer for as long as possible. Okay, so you read the literature on on how long does beer last. And one of the things you find out right away is that they don't have enough time to wait. They don't want to wait three months or six months or nine months to see if their beer goes bad. They so, meaning commercial brewers? Yeah, commercial okay. brewers. So, so what they actually do is they, they try to speed up the aging process. And it turns out you can. All you have to do is keep your beer warm. So what that tells me as a craft brewer, what I need to do to slow down the aging process is to keep my beer cold. So as soon as I can, as soon as everything's completed, I know my fermentation's done, I know my diacetyls have been reduced, I get my beer down to 40 degrees, I hold it at 40 degrees until it's in my customer's hand. Okay. I think that's the best way to age. Okay. You know, when you when I'm bottle conditioning, leave it warm for a week or two weeks. As soon as you open up a bottle and it's carbonated, get all those bottles cold and leave them cold for the rest of the time. Okay. But the key definitely is to make sure they're carbonated before you get those bottles cold. That's right. If yeah. you get them cold before you carbonate them, uh, they won't carbonate. Okay. And if you've waited a couple of weeks and you have no carbonation, um, maybe you're keeping your bottles too cold to begin with. Put oh, them that, in a warmer spot. Actually, you know, so, no, so this happened to me once. So I, this exact problem happened to me. I opened up a bottle and it wasn't carbonated. And I'm trying to think, what in the world did I do? And I opened the next bottle and it was a gusher. Oh, interesting. And what I'd done is I'd racked out of my, my uh, carboy into my bottling bucket and forgot to put my priming sugar into the bottling bucket first. <laughs> nice. So I put my, bo- my, my, uh, uh, priming sugar into the bottling bucket second yeah. and tried to gently stir it with a spoon. And it didn't work And, out. yeah, every bottle had a random carbonation level. It okay. either gushed all over you or it was flat. So getting <laughs> that uh, corn sugar distributed equally is, is And the best key. way to do that is to put it into your bottling bucket before you bottle. Okay. Sounds like a bad prom date. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I had crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I thought it was pretty funny. I wish stuff. I had, oh, Sherry, and I wish yeah. I had crickets yeah. on my soundboard Crickets right might now. be good right now. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap things up. And I just have I have some questions for you about Downtown Joe's, actually, that came through. For, for me? Some, yeah, uh, go ahead. I'll answer them as much <laughs> yeah. as I can. <laughs> uh, people want to know, Colin, if you've ever thought about brewing Belgians. You know, I love brewing Belgians, and, and Sean Paxton and I are working on a on a, a saison recipe um and you you're going to find that on tap may or june ah cool um and i'm really excited about that one of the big scary issues for for microbrewers um is having cross contamination with different yeasts so i normally only keep one yeast in the building and it's very rare that i bring in a guest yeast okay and this situation will be that i bring in a guest yeast um, that being said, I'll pay extra careful attention to that fermenter when I'm done with it. Yeah. Uh, literally disassemble it and uh, uh, clean it all very carefully. I think also with Sean Paxton's part of the recipe, you should be careful about any ingredients that he doesn't list specifically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if he says... Secret sauce. Yeah, like <laughs> add a little of this, wink, wink. Don't pay attention to that line. You know, you got to watch out for that. Uh, are you planning to offer any loggers in the future? People want to know if you, you know. We have done some loggers, and they've all been out of pitches that I've grown um, out of a starter. Um, and I love pilsners, and I would love to have a pilsner on tap permanently. Ah, um, yeah. So it is something I'm working on, and um, my equipment isn't really designed to do loggers. Um, it was really designed to do ales, so it's a bit of a challenge. And 
You know, I keep struggling with it. Um, I, I, I don't think, I, I can't say that I've produced a bad lager, but I can't say that I've produced a lager that I'm really happy with either. Okay. And uh, so I keep working on it. Um, we're going to install a, a water deionizer so that I can remove some more of the minerals from the water. Mm-hmm. That's going to get me closer to uh, pills and water. Um, uh, and then, you know, I'm not going to decoct, so I'm going to be exploring some uses of lactic acid. Um, and maybe we'll get a good pilsner. If it's not uh, if it's not perfect, I don't want to release it. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, it's, and that's fair enough. We well, should talk Sean O'Sullivan and doing the same thing. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. His watermelon yeah. wheat is what was perfect. The, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a decoct fight waiting to happen. Oh. <laughs> Right there. Actually, South Park Blonde is great. And then people want to know about aging uh, your beer here. Um, you know, how often do you turn over your beer? Or, or maybe what's the longest uh, beer sticks around for you? The longest I've been able to age a beer is I, I had a, a tank that uh, was entirely too hoppy. And it was a special. It was a Dixie SB. And we served about half the tank. And everybody's comment was, literally everybody's comment, it doesn't matter how big of a hophead you are, yeah. is, this is too hoppy. Really? And uh, so I took it off tap, and I aged it for six months. Um, and put it back on, and everybody loved it. It was the best Dixie oh, yeah. SB they'd ever had. Oh, that's nice. Not even knowing it was the same batch. Sure, and that's yeah. great. And they're like, wow, you did much better with it this time. Right. What a great <laughs> new beer. Right, and, and simply all I did was age out some of the hops. Okay. Um, so... You know, how long could I age a beer here? I wouldn't have any problems with the processes I use now, aging a beer for a year. I have 18 aging tanks. Um, I brew 100 days a year. So that really means I have to turn over every tank about five times a year. Uh, so that, that is the limit. Okay. Can I take one tank and tie it up? Yeah, I can if I have to. Yeah. Um, I prefer to keep everything fresh. I like to not have anything be more than 90 days old. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's pretty young. Yeah, that, that's my goal. I I figure it's ready after 21 to 30 days, and I don't want it more than 90 days old. I'm trying to think if I've ever had a beer that's 90 days old, and I don't think I have. Certainly you have. Barley wines? I've never Belgian made Belgian beers? Wine. Never made one. No, you never made a beer that's 90 days old. Okay. Never I had one. I mean, I, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sure I've tasted a beer this morning. I've, I've never made myself and kept one of my beers no, for because, longer than 90 because days. because you carbonated at 30 PSI, and you're drinking it two days later. That's why. Yeah, no, everybody knows that. And yeah, no. I'm saying that I've never had a beer more than 90 years. I was trying to help you. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, Daniela. Just smacking JP on the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. I think I just wet myself. The truth is, Daniela won't let me keep beer longer than this. She's like, we got to drink it. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, time. My, yeah. well, she she grew up in the right country to learn how it's to drink true. beer, though. Austria? That's true. All right, listen, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, we are here uh, next Sunday, once again, with Colin. It's our last show here. Uh, I'm sure there will be some in the future, but uh, our run of Downtown Joe's shows is coming to an end. If you're in the area, uh, come on out and have some fun with us next Sunday. It's going to be a good time. And we're going to be talking about uh, specialty malts and adjuncts uh, and maybe even carpet aging your beer, uh, according to John Foster, who's hanging out with us today. Carpet aging, that's good. There's a Jamil show tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow morning we're doing a Jamil show. If you listen early enough, it's actually a double Jamil show. We'll be doing two episodes, but that's kind of a secret. So Do you I'll... know what about 
Uh, yeah, uh, I know the the one that you'll definitely hear if you tune in at the regular time is Rogan beer, Rogan beer, which is a uh, German rye beer, as a matter of fact. Is it German for rug beer? <laughs> I think it's yeah. <laughs> <they're> gonna, <laughs> just for me, they're going to be covering. Hey, rug look at that! Beer. Yeah, how is it you funny say, joke? How, how is it you say uh, rug beer, uh, uh, rug burn rather in uh, German? <laughs> I don't know. You don't have rug burn. You don't said rug burn. How you say it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Justin, what's wrong with you, man? What the hell. <laughs> So tune in next week. We're going to be hanging out, having a good time back here at Downtown Joe's. And come on out and have some fun with us if you're in the area. Yeah, I want to say thanks to Colin uh, for having us out. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. I you know, really appreciate it. The beer's been good, and uh, it's been fun, too. Uh, Jamil's on with us next Sunday as well, as well as, like uh, Danielle said, tomorrow morning. So tune in at 10 a.m. Do we get Doc? We're going to get Doc for a short time. It's Doc's anniversary. And he's gonna. Here's the, here's the funny thing. He's he does bring his wife to Napa for their anniversary, and they go home on Sunday. And he's gonna do the old. Uh, well, hey, since we're here, why don't we go ahead and just stop in for a beer real quick <laughs> on his way home? So he says he will be able to come on the show for a little while, but probably not stay for the whole thing, unless of course we want him to get divorced. You know, which we don't. So uh, we will see uh, Doc for a short time next Sunday. And there's a Friday show. And there's a lunch meet. Yeah. There you go. So everybody tune in for that. Me and Jack <laughs> are looking forward to it. Everyone else is groaning and looking how to disable their Wi-Fi. All right. Hopefully you'll all get archives tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to everybody for coming out to Downtown Joe's in Napa. We'll see you next week. Love of that.